I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. Sweet. I'm Tom. La la ba ba bionic. Like you keep getting sillier every week. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I had too much sugar coming over here. I stopped and had, I stopped and had some bad food, and then had a little milkshake thing along with it. Yeah. And I'm just kind of, I got. You may have to like tape me down to the show. Figured I'd get you ready for the quake, huh? They tape me down to the chair for like 20 minutes while I so oh, sit over here and jitter. You won't be your normal, uh, very uh, staid, grave, self, no. yeah, very, okay. Right. Very sort of, you know, somber, say, reformed tradition yeah. kind of, you know. Well, good. That's what we needed you to do is lighten up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're catching this show uh, within a day or so of up, us uploading it, we've uploaded this show a, a day earlier uh, on the 21st of July, 2011, mm-hmm. because you and I are on the road right now. Yep. And uh, if you're getting on this on Friday, again. we're at the... Uh, conference I for the future congress on the road again mm-hmm. riding in the future mobile with dr future i just can't wait to be on the road again that's where we are we are uh, heading to the future congress conference in branson missouri like a band of gypsies we oh, go wow. down the highway oh, wow. <laughs> uh <clears throat> but anyway that's where we are this weekend appreciate your all's prayers uh we're both giving two talks each, yeah. and a couple of them are going to be pretty controversial. Yep. Those those uh, conventional with, prophecy people are going to love that false flag terror you're talking about. My my talk comes with a full face mask and a and a and body armor for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have a catcher's mask and one of those big foam things they mm-hmm. wear in the front. Yeah. And the uh, chicken wire on the front of the podium. I'm actually going to be doing a bit of acting. Really? Yeah. Dramatization. Dramatization. Not not in my own talk, but for somebody else's. Really? Yeah. I had no idea. I, you're so multidimensional. Of course, if anybody has seen you in uh, Lamp of the Dark, the Chris Pinto production, then we'll see your acting prowess yeah. uh, as well. Uh, we are going Jumper to... dance. <laughs> we have been asked uh, while we're at the conference to be on a panel uh, for a show. I guess it's either Peering into Darkness or View from the Bunker that Derek Gilbert is doing. And if this comes together, I guess I think maybe Andrew Hoffman will be sitting in there with us. So I don't know if that's going to be aired live on Thursday night or he's broadcasting it later, but uh, you might want to check out, I believe, are they on Blog Talk Radio, I believe? Mm-hmm. I believe that's for Just go to yeah, uh, maybe. I'm, I'm... vtfb.net. You should find out. But uh, check it out if you want to check us out there. Uh, I have another couple of quick announcements. Um, Sweet. Well, uh, let me, since we, we didn't do this last week, and I want to thank... Uh, some people. This goes all the way back to the 6th of July. Uh, there have been some people who have bought our two book sets, mm-hmm. uh, which has uh, uh, Andrew Napolitano's. It's a hardbound book, real quality book called Lies the Government Told You, where he goes through all of the systematic major things our government lies to us, which is a good tool for people to start mm-hmm. understanding, to open their eyes to what's going on. And it's coupled with Andrew Hoffman's book, The New World Order and Eugenics Wars. And it has a special sleeve. It's got some future Quake artwork on it and some other collectible stuff on it. 
and uh, we still, you can still order them. Uh, we'll have more of them available at the end of this month, and then they'll probably sell out pretty soon. We've also have them for sale at the conference, so most of them may be gobbled up there. But if you still want them, but uh, we did have uh, Loretta uh, ordered a set, and Robert and Tom uh, since the 6th of July. And I just want to let you all know that yours should be on your way around the end of the month. So, And also, I want to t- thank some people who... Um, have made some um, donations for us uh, for a show, and I just can't express to you how much I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I actually used a little bit of this money to buy a bunch of books last night on some stuff for some future show topics. Mm. And I thank you. Hey, do you know Edwin Black? Yeah, he lives down the street from me. Oh, is that right? I don't know who. Okay. No, I don't know Edwin Very Black. interesting guy. Some interesting books about um, the corporations that supported Nazi Germany, American corporations, and oh, he's yeah. the foremost uh, researcher in that, including IBM and a bunch of other stuff. But anyway, we've got that and some other stuff that's pretty critical uh, to use, and your all's donations are what are going to make this happen. Uh, George, I want to thank Brother Tim, Stephen, uh, and Darlene uh, for your contributions and your sacrifice, and I, I know the other Futurians appreciate that too. So. Mm-hmm. Got that out of the way, and two more quick announcements. Sweet. I have heard the first edition of the new Future Quake show from South South Africa. Africa. South Africa. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coming from Cape Town, we have uh, 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 Sister Audra and uh, uh, Brother Dion are -hmm. actually doing this together, and I think if I would describe it in a word, it would be exotic. Sweet. Uh, It's it's a fascinating... uh, Interaction between the two of them. It's a very different feel. It's a different cultural feel. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some discussions on the first show about Future Quake, about PID Radio, mm-hmm. uh, and then their own twist. And I learned some things. Like, for example, I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but I did learn that evidently what they call traffic signals um, over there are called robots. Hmm. So if you go down the street and they say, take a left at the robot. That's what they mean. Yeah, they don't mean like danger, Will Robinson. Right, right. Traffic signal. Yeah. Uh, So, anyway, but it's a cool show. I've been told, I hate to get ahead of them, but they're hoping to maybe have a few in the can and and website updates and stuff to kick off around the 1st of September. Oh. So, I would recommend everybody to go partake of Mm -hmm. that. And we will update you with details on how else to get to it. But I just thought I'd get everybody excited about it. And. That's what we'd like to do, sort of proliferate, sort of like mushrooms, you know? Just sort of pop up little places everywhere, and everybody hmm. put their own little spin on stuff. You know, technology really is cool, isn't it? We could be you like know? Amway. Yeah. Have like a little downstream. Yeah, we here. We want to talk to you about Amway. A little easel and the whole thing, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, I think that's really cool. So, I want to let people know about that. Yeah. One other quick announcement about what we do here is uh, I got an email from Brother Bob, Futurian Bob, mm-hmm. one of the NRB 13. Oh, that's there Bob, with yeah. us, yeah, uh, locally here. I like that, Bob. And this is particularly of interest to our Futurians in Middle Tennessee. Uh, and he's got something for us to announce here. He is starting a sort of a Middle Tennessee uh, future quake discussion group uh, in like prophecy and similar kind of material. Uh, and he said uh, uh, it's going to kick off here like in a little over a week. He says, if you can, please announce the meeting. Uh, for Thursday, July 28th at 6.30 p.m., that would be Central Time, at the Goodlitzville Library. It's Goodlitzville, Tennessee, a little suburb here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you look it up, it's really easy to get to. It's on 205 Rivergate Parkway. Um, if you go to exit 96, I believe, is Rivergate Parkway, the one that 
leads right to the Rivergate Mall. Mm-hmm. If you get off at that and go west, I think mm-hmm. it's just like a couple of blocks. That is a really cool library. Is it? I was just okay. in there yesterday. Never been in there. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, starting ju- Thursday, July 28th, which I guess would be in about a week, mm-hmm. um, he's planning the first one, and I think he wants to talk about Peter Goodgame's work. Possibly Giza discovery, which I think you may have an update related to that. Yeah, here yeah, shortly. I, I, I kind of have to ask for the Futurians' help on that one, but yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, I want to get that out. Bob's really cool, and uh, this will be a neat thing. I think he's sort of hoping to try it out as a biweekly kind of thing. So with, if you're within a reasonable drive, and a lot of our Futurians complain that they don't have anybody else around them that likes mm-hmm. to talk about the stuff we do, this would be a time for you to get face to face with some people, compare notes. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably has some documentaries and stuff. I've got a whole bunch of stuff, videos from the Roswell conferences, from that that UN talk I went to. I got a bunch of far out presentations on that I haven't even seen, and just stuff I've stacked and collected that we could watch there. Mm-hmm. You know, as well as the book, discussing books and things like that. So I think there's more than enough material, and it'd be fun for us to get together. So, mm-hmm. uh, I had one little specialty thing to read before prayer but any comments you got on what's going on in your world well just, there's a lot going on in boy your there's world. yeah i don't want to discuss any here on the yeah, on the on the air but boy it is like serious it's uh hopefully good yeah i don't think it's bad necessarily you know mm-hmm. really learning to embrace change and all that stuff mm-hmm. but uh um one of the things that was cool it's not really an announcement i but i spent about an hour on the phone with uh, uh a futurian from uh, turkey Really? Yeah, yeah. We were talking on we were talking on uh, Facebook Sunday afternoon, and I just said, "Hey, this is my phone number. Call me on Skype." And uh, he called me on Skype, and we talked about all sorts of stuff, and gave me some gave me some info actually on some of the stuff that I covered in my talk. You know. Really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, that area would be very relevant. Yeah, he actually. You you'll recall that I talked a little bit uh, on the show that I did about false flag terrorism, about the gray wolves in Turkey, and. Uh, it turns out that he actually, because of a cut of because of a specific haircut and facial hair that all of the gray wolves have there in Turkey, like he was driving around and everybody thought he was a, like <laughs> the gray wolves. Wow. You know. Wow. And uh, then somebody told him about it and said you might want to shave that Fu Manchu off. Oh, shoot. So that's cool. It is an interesting. That's thing. awesome, man. Yeah. It is an amazing world we live in. Yeah, isn't it? We can make these kind of connections. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, if you have anything else, I just want to read something real quick and then let you jump into stories. Mm -hmm. This is one of these kind of things where do you ever, like, clear out stuff, like you find old papers you saved in a drawer or something like that, and you go through stuff you kept from a long time ago, and you didn't know why you keep it, and it suddenly rang a bell. Yeah. Like something significant to you, something you thought was remarkable enough that you kept. Yeah. But you forgot about it. Yeah. Well, I was going through my nightstand yesterday, and I was looking for something, and I found this little tear out of the paper. Now, this is from the Nashville, the Tennessee newspaper, okay? Uh-huh. I only got this newspaper a couple of years before Mrs. Future said, look, you don't it. read it enough, yeah. stop it. But you know what? It was just long enough that it was right when I saw an ad in the paper for a new radio station starting. Hmm. And they were taking proposals. And a little, tiny little paragraph in the back of the paper. Hmm. And then we stopped it right after that. Huh. So, you know, and without that, there wouldn't have been a future quake. But I saw, evidently by the date, it's the same era, 2005. Um, 
that I saw this, and I, I normally don't read the obituaries. When you get to be a certain age, you read them on a regular basis. Yeah, it's all your friends. It's yeah. your normal kind of thing. But I just don't. And I don't know why I saw this. Whether I was sort of bored, I, I may have been like sitting getting my oil changed somewhere and had nothing to look at. And I just saw this, and I thought it was important enough for me to keep as a reminder. There's a picture. You can see the guy. You see the guy here, Tom? That I have. Uh-huh. Nice looking guy, but you can tell he has sort of like a headrest kind of thing, yeah, uh-huh. like he's in a wheelchair or something. But he's a young guy. I mean, you see he's a young kind of fella. Uh-huh. Yeah. And this fella, I'm not going to give his whole name. His name's Doug, okay? But I wanted to read some stuff out of his obituary. And I'm reading this for other Futurians that are like me, who get down in the mouth a lot and get frustrated, like we don't know where life is going, or things seem like they're flat or dead, or we cannot find other people to relate to. Mm-hmm. You know, we we just we don't feel like there's people like us, and we get real depressed about it. You can't get key decisions, whether it's finding a church. I know a whole bunch of our Futurians are in that boat, or they can't find just something right, maybe even a personal relationship, spouse, or whatever. Yeah, I'm in that boat. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, everybody. I mean, we're all covered by something like that. We get in yeah. the funk now and then over Sometimes that, you I'm know? covered by liquid fence, and it's not pretty. Well, I understand. Um, but I... To, to put a sanity check on that and our sort of self-absorption, which is natural for us to do, mm-hmm. I wanted you to read about this gentleman who I don't know. I just, his his thing caught me, or obituary. His name's Doug. He was age 34. Okay. And you could see he has a, like I said, he's in some kind of probably wheelchair. Mm-hmm. But nice looking guy, nice smile on his face. He says, uh, uh, Doug, age 34 of Nashville, entered into heaven November of 2005. After a large, long, and courageous battle with muscular dystrophy. Hmm. Okay, you know, familiar with that. That's you know, a it tough just one. Yeah. Devastates your whole yeah. muscular system and everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was preceded in death by his brother Larry, who was there to joyfully greet him at heaven's gates. What a reunion that was for my sons, as my sons were reunited, free of pain and sorrow, and no more burdens to bear. Hmm. So this is a parent mm-hmm. who's lost a child early, and now another one to, in muscular dystrophy, okay? Mm-hmm. It says, Doug lived life to the fullest, always thanking the Lord for each day he woke and was able to make someone else smile. If you didn't love Doug, you truly didn't know him. He was the most generous, kindest person who was always putting others first and him last. This is on October 2005. Doug proposed to the love of his life, Teresa. What a glow they both shared. Now, this is October 2005, okay? Mm-hmm. He passed away in November 2005. Hmm. April 2006 was to be their wedding day. To Teresa, I want to thank you for the sincere love for Doug you had and giving him the complete happiness before his death. So he he passed away a month after he proposed, just trying to yeah. hang on to April. Okay, he kept saying, is it April yet? He also thanks Rhonda. She also thanks Rhonda for caring for my son while I worked and loving him as if he were your own. And he thanks all his friends at, at Belcourt Terrace, uh, mentions several places, Union Hill Raceway, Beach Bend Raceway. He was a guy who got around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um to the staff at Baptist who tried in vain to save my beloved son, Doug. He loved and trusted you all. 
we were blessed to know all of you. Hmm. And it, it thanks the doctor for the extra good quality of life he had to the end. Um, and, of course, he left behind parents as well as a bunch of other relatives as well, mm -hmm. too. And uh, he says, uh, Doug completed the final race last week and will always be a champion in our hearts. You know, I don't know, I don't know this person at all. And hmm. I'm just, I think probably I got that at the time when I was feeling frustrated myself or mm -hmm. bummed so that something wasn't working out the way I wanted. Mm -hmm. And then here's a guy who's probably spent his life with muscular dystrophy. Yeah. Yeah, he spent at least at least most of his adult life with yeah. it, probably because he's slow. Yeah. yeah, in pain, struggling. Probably you could easily look see what a life you missed because you had it, you mm -hmm. know. Here's a guy who finally found a love of his life, proposed, and wasn't able to make it to the time, you know, of his marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and they say what he did was he put everybody before himself. Mm -hmm. So... Not, I don't mean to get overly sentimental, but I figured I, God showed me that again for a reason, you know. Well, it's it's powerful. It it actually relates to something I've been thinking about doing. Once oh. things sort of settle down. Yep. Um, you know, I was talking with somebody. I was I did a sort of a guest spot on the Tim and Mike show recently. Yeah. Uh, Mike was out and the same Tim from last week. Yeah, yeah. Mike was out and Tim called me and said, "Hey, will you want to be on the Tim and Mike show?" And I said, well, okay, I guess. So I was on there, and uh, somebody called in or something and talked about, you know, we were talking about Tim, who's really, you know, as we saw last week, a couple of weeks ago, uh, that, you know, he's really valiant going out there and, and, you know, feeding the homeless, doesn't need a pastor to tell him what to do or a plan or anything. Mm -hmm. He's just going out meeting these people where, he, where, where they are, you know. Mm -hmm. And somebody made the comment, you know, maybe you could do that with old folks' homes, you know. Those people are sort of shut-ins, and they're not going mm -hmm. anywhere. And I thought, you know what, that's a brilliant idea. I think maybe I'll start doing that. And so just reading up on this guy, you know, mm -hmm. read, you know, is really, uh, there's a fire sort of igniting in me in that. You know, it can go to, go to like, places where people aren't, you know, mm -hmm. they, they may not have any hope. And maybe I can come there and just talk with them and hold their hand a little bit and, you know, uh, help them. You you read my mind because that's exactly what I was going to mention. Yeah, for once, <laughs> is that for for all of us out there? And and again, this is a common thing of all of us out there. If you're feeling like you're depressed, you're feeling like nobody really clicks with you or cares about you or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, a major part of our entire population that's never talked about is living in some form of institutional care. Mm -hmm. Whether it's nursing home or long-term medical care, hospital, um, even could be psychological hospital. It can be a whole host of things. But they're in some form of institutional care, mm -hmm. and they don't get out of those walls. Yeah. And some of the people really don't belong there, or they're there because of some, some other problem. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to go a lot to the nursing homes for different things. And you would see people there who are actually quite young, mm -hmm. who are very lucid, very clear, and they were surrounded by people who they couldn't talk to because they, you know, were having mental problems or, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, dementia of some sort. Mm -hmm. And they're just sort of marooned there. Day after day goes, nobody talked to. 
And I can remember when I lived in Dayton, reading a newspaper article from a columnist there, where he interviewed a guy who had something. It was more of a cerebral palsy, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, a brain thing. I think well, you mentioned this. Well, this guy had cerebral palsy. His, actually, his brain was sharp. Mm-hmm. It, it, mentally, he was fine. He was a very sharp guy. But his body functions, he couldn't control. Mm-hmm. And he had just told this guy, saying, I would like to have a friend. My dream would be to have a friend. Somebody, he says, I could talk to, uh, who would actually just drop in and see me occasionally. And this guy was maybe in his 40s, mm-hmm. never really had ever had it. You know, and I tell you, for, for people out there, you go see somebody like that, they want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. If you if you get frustrated that people don't want to hear you, or cry, you know, you got somebody there that will be at the edge of their seat waiting for you to arrive. They they will not wait to see, and they want to know what's going on with your life. They want to know what you think. They will listen. They will stop. You know. Mm-hmm. And they will be so incredibly grateful. And th- those are blessings that are unclaimed. You know yeah. that we can have. But the, but the other thing, you know, I mentioned about how in our society. The thing that I think is really missing is empathy, mm-hmm. and even in the American church, empathy alone should be able to drive you to do these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Because if the Lord tarries and we don't go by some other means like the FEMA camp or something, mm-hmm. you and I and all our futurians are going to be there one of these days. Some of us closer than others. And so we you can only imagine, just stop and think, if your day after day after day mm-hmm. is nowhere but those walls. Yeah, you know, I had a I, I I've had this discussion with people before about it, but you know because of my own stupidity, I've never gone out there and done it or or whatever my own own callousness in my heart. And I remember like a lot of rest of us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I know the boat is big, but I'm still in. Yeah, it, you know? I know. I got it. Um, uh, but I, I remember talking with somebody who went to go see their grandma once a month in an old folks home. Yeah. And at at the end, they were they were still fairly lucid, but they were bedridden. Yeah. And she said, um, she said that uh, she'd come in and they'd sit, they sit there with Grandma. And one day, right before she died, they said, "How are you doing, Grandma?" And she says, "You know how many ducks are on that wall over there?" And the the wallpaper was ducks. Mm-hmm. You know, she said there are 256, unless you count the one over there in the corner where there's half a duck. 256 and a half. You know how I know that? Because I count them every day. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know, my hip hurts and my, you know, I've got all sorts of other weird things going on right now. Yeah. You know, uh, but, you know, my life is more, my life is more than counting the ducks on the wall, you know, so it's not. And those people need people too, so. Um, yeah, maybe off air we'll talk about that because I've got a couple of different ideas. Well, well you know, you've around. you've got your own personality, you got your musical skills. I don't know if everybody could take the Future Quick show, you know, for that, but I wouldn't be against, you know, bringing in a CD player and something they could listen to it on or something like that. Maybe we need to go to an old folks home and do a show. That'd be fine with me. Yeah. They, you know, they'd probably be just as quizzical about us as our regular audience of Futurians. Maybe less. They would actually comprehend about an equal amount to what yeah, we do. Yeah. But uh, anyway, sorry to go down that path, but it's funny you and I were sort of similar. No, I, I'm similar I'm, wavelength there. We're here. We're we're here. We're right on. Nobody has to question and say, 
What does God want me to do? Do that. This is from God to you out there. Do yeah. that. Okay? Pure religion is to visit uh, uh, widows and the undefiled. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you, nobody will listen to you, if you go there, you will have a rapt audience. And you know what? What's funny is a lot of those folk, you tell them something. Let's say if you're gone for a month, they will ask you about that shortly after you walk in the room. Mm-hmm. Well, how's that going with your life? Mm-hmm. And you know, most of our friends, they forget. Everybody's busy going to this. Mm-hmm. They've probably been praying for you the whole time you've been gone. Mm-hmm. You know? So, anyway, enough said of that. Yeah. I actually, well, well, we'll talk about it off air, but I've got a couple ideas about that. Cool. So. Cool. Um, got a story for us? Do you want to go first? or should I don't I? care. Good call. Well, I, I read this story, <clears throat> and the more I checked into it, I think it might be a little bit dubious, but I'll read it. And, uh, you know, our Futurians can sort of comment on it and, sure. you know, tell me I'm full of it. Like they do for all of our stories. Indeed. They can make their own decisions. Yep. Um, yeah, just take this one worth a grain of salt, kind of. But it was interesting, just, uh, you know, just about, you know, what's going on. Uh, it's, can you say how you came across it or not? I came across it uh, from Peter Goodgame. Okay. Well, that uh, should get people to push closer to the microphone. Yep, yep. Uh, this is from UFO Digest, a very you know <laughs> upstanding major, mm-hmm. you know major news. <laughs> well, it's not as prominent as say like News of the World in oh, the yeah. UK. Yeah, you know? at least they didn't. They maybe didn't tap some phones. Or right, but, right. You know, um, it's called something big is going on at Giza. Uh, something big is going on at Giza, and the internet is on fire with speculation about it. The Internet is abuzz with the news about new findings in the Great Pyramid on Egypt's Giza Plateau. It has been reported that strange markings have been found inside what many of the news reportings have been calling a secret tunnel. True to form, the news media is either hyperbolizing or they just plain got the facts wrong. The tunnel is not a secret, uh, has not been a secret for a number of years. Uh, the secret has been what is in the tunnel and where it leads. There is, however, a mystery involved here. The mystery involves some strange hieroglyphic-type markings found inside the tunnel. They are done in red paint and are found on the floor of the tunnel and on the walls. Uh, Not accessible to the human frame as yet, the tunnel was explored by a robot rover with a camera mounted on it. Using a remote control robot, the archaeologists were able to determine the tunnel runs for some distance and ends up at what appears to be another door. It is one of four known secret tunnels that lead to the king's chamber and the queen's chamber. The purpose of the tunnels is not known. Uh, the first big story in this event is that the hieroglyph-type markings are yet to be understood. Mm. It does seem quite odd that these markings were found in a pyramid where, that the Egyptologists claim was built by uh, Pharaoh Khufu, uh, and they can, they can read the hieroglyphs found by, from his time. Yet they cannot yet decode these hieroglyphs from inside the very pyramid they say he built. Uh, these are symbols that do not apparently fit with the system of writing known to Egyptologists as hieroglyphics. This would seem to raise a possibility that while these markings are a language, they are not Egyptian. Uh, since the tomb of Osiris was found in a secret uh, underground tomb uh, just a few yards from the Great Pyramid... Uh, it is possible the Great Pyramid was built by the Osiris clan and not by Khufu. Um, I don't know. Hmm. Um, uh, it is possible the myths about Osiris, his family, uh, not being from this planet, are true. Uh, obviously, UFO Digest is going to have some you mm-hmm. know, different 
ideas sure. on that. Sure. Uh, perhaps these hieroglyphic type markings are the language of Osiris. Uh, that's all bald-faced speculation, obviously. Uh, the second great mystery in this event is that it comes on the heels of finding the tomb of Osiris in 2010 and the discovery of NASA satellites of a massive collection of buried pyramids on the Giza Plateau. Hmm. It's like, hmm, I don't know about that. Do they give any citations to other stories? That no, of that? course not. This is UFO Digest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not a... It's not a scholarly journal. I understand. I understand. Yeah. When the tomb of Osiris was found, several very odd measures were undertaken almost immediately. Uh, Zahi Hawass uh, ordered that a wall be constructed around the pyramid complex. Uh, this was to protect the pyramids from being damaged by the public. It has been reported on various Internet sites that the U.S. military was there securing the pyramid complex along with the Egyptian military. And then there is the question of the NASA satellite imaging of the Giza Plateau. Why? It has been done before. We already had pictures from space of the pyramids. Why now? Why a NASA satellite? Um, uh, so just sort of skipping down to at the end. Uh, certainly, this lineup of events gives the appearance that something big, very big, has been discovered at the Giza Plateau. Not only is it something big, it is something of military importance. Uh, and not only of military importance, it's very secret. And mm. he continues on with you know, sort of speculating on stuff. But uh, the, the key thing on that was this is the first I've ever heard about uh, the tomb of Osiris being found. Well, you know, it's funny. They had a documentary on a few years ago with Zawi Hawass on TV, maybe on a Fox or something, where they actually found some subterranean chambers that were filled with water that they were pumping out. And they said, well, this was his thinking, that it was a burial area of Osiris. But there was a sarcophagus in there, but it was empty. Hmm. But it was amazing looking. I mean, it, it looked like some kind of sort of majestic hall room, you know. This was hmm. when they, remember when they had the, um, I think this is when they had like the little robot tractor thing that went up one of the shafts and went up and oh. hit one of the walls. I think it was at the same time they did a special on it. But I don't know if it's connected to what they're talking about. But ironically, today there was another big story about Zawi Hawass. He was sacked. Permanently sacked Oops. by the Egyptian antiquities, and they're saying he was really closely connected to, uh, you know, their deposed leader recently. Oops. And uh, it, in fact, it was funny because people were like trying to break the glass in the car when they were putting him in. Evidently, he's universally hated, or wow. by a lot of people in Egypt. Yeah, and with Mubarak, what he was connected to. Huh. And so he 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 resigned when all that started. But then he came back, but now he, they've gotten rid of him. Yeah, I was going to say, he's pretty sacked at this point. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's it. So that was reported, I believe, today. So this sort of ironic you would have that story. Did Peter give any comments that you can share about it? He just said, Osiris is one bad dude. Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you don't really need to read the rest of his works, you know, like the Giza discovery. You just remember that yeah, Osiris, exactly. one bad dude. Yeah. I hope Peter's listening to us. He's a busy guy, but it'd be wonderful. He might be, yeah. You if know. he was. I appreciate that. Wow. Anything else? Uh, that's it. That's that's the story. All right. Well, folks, put that in your just, pipe and you know, smoke just it. Take it with, uh, uh, just take it with a grain of salt. If anybody can validate any of that, yeah. you know, send it on. Yep. Well, can I give one more story in the bleeding heart uh, heartstrings category? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Sure. Um, this is from Fox News. 
this says uh, Iranian pastor sentenced to death could be executed if he doesn't recant says verdict uh, had you heard about this wait no say that again Iranian pastor sentenced to death to be executed if he doesn't recant yes I have I, I, I've actually well I can't say anything okay. have you talked about it on this show before is that what you were saying no okay well, uh, it says Iran's Supreme Court says an evangelical pastor charged with apostasy can be executed if he does not recant his faith, according to a copy of the verdict obtained by a religious rights activist group. Now, I'm going to read the story. There's more dimensions to this than just the top-level issue, mm-hmm. and that's I like stories like that when there's some intriguing elements and sidebars to it. So this is one of those. Christian Solidarity World says Iranian-born Yosef... Nadar Khani, who was arrested in 2009 and was given a death sentence late last year, could have his sentence suspended on the grounds that he renounced his faith. Mm -hmm. Those who know him say that he is not likely to do that, for if he were deposed to giving up, he would have done it long ago. Hmm. If Nadar Khani does not recant, his fate is unclear. It is believed his case would then be remanded to lower courts in Iran. Recently, the U.S. State Department issued the following remarks. We are dismayed over reports that the Iranian courts are requiring Yusef Nadakarni to recant his faith or face the death penalty for apostasy, a charge based on his religious beliefs. So, so is, he, is it that he was a Christian, but he's, he's just decided to be like, you know, I don't know, some other sort of cult thing? No, no, he, he's he a was Christian. a Muslim, and, and now he's a Christian, or what? Well, it's or, basically, they just don't want him being a Christian. I'll, okay. We'll get to that, yeah. I'll show you. If carried out, it would be the first execution for apostasy in Iran since 1990. Hmm. Did you know that? It would be the first time they killed somebody in, well, what's that be, 21 years? Mm-hmm. So For, for apostasy. Yeah. For apostasy. Now, of course, none of that is good. One of them is horrible and hor- terrible, but it's been 21 years since they've had one. So it's not quite like there's like a lineup of them now. There may be a lot of them in prison, maybe other kind of things. But just just to be fair and reasonable, it says he is just one of thousands who face persecution for the religious beliefs in Iran, including the seven leaders of the Baha'i community whose imprisonment was increased to 20 years for practicing their faith, and hundreds of Sufis who have been flogged in public because of their beliefs. These are other Muslims, Sufi Muslims. Hmm. Okay, so other Muslims get it. Christian. Now remember that when people when they meet a Muslim out here in America and they are Sufi. That these are guys getting persecuted by the same people we're worried about. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, there's uh, there is a wide sort of swath between Shias and Sunnis and Sufis and right. You know the Nashkabandis and these other smaller it's things. Like Christianity. Yeah, they they hate each other. All right. Christian and human rights groups say apostasy isn't even codified in Iranian law, so it really is not part of their endemic law structure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what that tells me is they have bad guys in sort of an institutional thing in the Ayatollahs trying to do it, but it's really not in the law and justifiable. Yeah, no, you no, got it's, some it's bad sort of dudes like, that are doing it. It's, it's sort a, of like hadith, and they're they're sort of it's a, a subcomponent sort of pushes it through. Right, right, which is human nature. It's human nature, even when Christians ran stuff, like when the you know when the Catholic Church did, or other kind of theocracies of different types. You've always got a group of opportunists that, that push these kind of things. Okay, from a human rights perspective, you cannot criminalize someone's choice of religion, much less execute them for that. 
says Hadi Gayami, executive director of the International Campaign for Human Rights in Iran. Okay, his Iranians say this. Nader Khani from Rasht on the Caspian Sea converted to Christianity as a teenager. He is reportedly an effective pastor who has converted an unknown number of people from Islam to, commun- to Christianity. Some believe he has about 400 people in his church. Now, I think we can agree this man's a genuine hero. No, he rocks. Yeah, I mean, pretty much rocks. I might put him above Michael Jordan as far as deserving, you yeah. know, idol worship. You know, or I mean, at least respect as a rock star. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. This no, guy, he's, cool. he's the real deal. He he's can added, stay at my house, that's for sure. He's added people to the fold, and he's doing the Lord's work. Iran has ancient Armenian and Assyrian churches. Now, here's another interesting thing here, too. This is an interesting parallel to Russia, is in a couple examples. Iran has ancient Armenian and Assyrian churches. The Evangelical Church of Iran is relatively new, church officials tell Fox News. A product of the legacy of Anglican missionaries who were in Iran in the last two centuries. Even after the Islamic Revolution, Iran has been fairly tolerant of the older Armenian and Assyrian orders, Mm -hmm. which date back to the early days of Christianity, but has been less accepting of evangelical conversions. So, there have been some expressions of of Christianity, albeit ones that are very sort of liturgical, Mm -hmm. very much sort of insular kind of things. They're not giving them the fit. There's something they see sort of dangerous about evangelical. So it's not technically the practice of a faith that's an issue. I think the fact that, that this has some energy to it. Yeah. You know, that, that is yeah. concerning to them. Uh, and they probably, well, they don't like to see people. You know, I don't think a lot of people are converting from Islam to those other parts of Christianity. But when you hear the message of the good news and the Great Commission, there's a, there's a power there that people are converting to. And that's probably what they see concerns about as well as a lot of things that they don't know what's going on. Like, why should people get so excited about this stuff? Um, okay. Um, Farouz Kanjani, a spokesman for the Evangelical Church of Iran, lives in exile in Eastern Europe. He fled Iran for Turkey for security reasons, but says even in his new homeland he's not safe, and was informed he could be targeted by Iranian agents in Turkey. Okay. Kanjani says that a sort of soft persecution began after the revolution, with Christians generally losing many civil rights, including access to top jobs in the country. This is sort of like Herman Cain saying that he wouldn't hire a Muslim on his staff or his administration. Yeah. No Muslim would be hired in his administration. Mm -hmm. So, isn't that sort of the same kind of technique? Soft persecution. Yeah. Um, uh, but it says, but it's increased since Mahmoud Ahmadinejad took office in 2005. Well, this is interesting to find out why. Kanjani himself was arrested and released 18 years ago. But he says about 40 people have been arrested, many of them also released, since Ahmadinejad became president. Okay, so All they've right. been 40 people. That gives you the relative feel of it and the release. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can't say Ahmadinejad is persecuting us, but the hardliners around him are. The leadership needs hardliners to permit them to do what they want. They need their support. So what these guys are good old-fashioned politicians. 
They don't have any evidence Ahmadinejad wants to persecute them, but he needs the hardliners to do his other stuff, and so that's what hardliners like to pass. do. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's very similar to. I know these are dangerous comparisons, but you have a lot of politicians that will cater to the religious right. And the religious right have really hardline stands on certain things. You know, some of them are good, but real hard, and they will sort of play ball with them and play along because they need their political support. Well, that's a universal trait, evidently, in how people who are the, like the real religious orthodox get used in these different cultures like this, okay? Hmm. Uh, it says it's hard to get a number on how many evangelical Christians there are in Iran. It is not a large number in this country of 70 million, but reportedly the numbers continue to grow. The International Campaign for Human Rights in Iran estimates there may be 4,000. Kajani believes the number to be as high as 200,000. Yeah, I was going to say, I talked to some friends of mine who were uh, involved in various kind of overseas work, and they said that uh, a couple of years ago they had a a secret meeting for pastors in Mm -hmm. Iran, yeah, two thousand people showed up. Really? Yeah. A meeting for pastors. Meeting for pastors. And two thousand showed up. Yeah. You know, it's important to keep in mind, and I'm not trying to minimize the suffering they're going through because it's notable, and these people are heroes of mine. But we talk about somewhere between four thousand and two hundred thousand. The answer leaders. is nobody knows. And we, that's what yeah, you're saying. right. But we have forty people who have been arrested and then released now the gentleman we're talking about is in dire straits but mm-hmm. that just sort of gives you a frame element of put things in perspective here mm-hmm. Kanjani believes okay uh, many of them watch evangelical television stations beamed into Iran from the United States that sucks yeah and they became Christians in spite of it I hope they listen to Future Quake. If we could ever get an email from someone from Iran that listens to Future Quake that would That'd be, be cool. so awesome Okay, Gami says, most churches in Iran operate with some degree of secrecy. They operate in homes. People take their batteries out of their cell phones and leave them at the door. They show up at random times so as to avoid the appearance of a crowd filling in. That's what we do in our church, but I think it's just because people procrastinate. Yeah, I know. When I'm doing the greeting thing, people start at 9.30, still coming in at 10.30. So you know what's funny? Maybe a good habit for us It's funny. I wrote on my little Facebook page, I said, all right, somebody say something funny. And uh, uh, this one guy guy that goes to our church wrote in, he said, everybody will show up on time to church. (laughs) Yeah, that would be an absurdity. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was like, hey, that's uh, funny, Tony. Uh, but this guy says the current government sees them as a threat. So they're afraid of the evangelical church mm-hmm. there. Gami says there had been a tacit agreement between the Ministry of Intelligence and the Church of Iran. Okay, this is the evangelical church, okay? Mm-hmm. Agreement with the government. Whereby if worshipers were open and told the ministry where they were going, the government would leave them alone. The government appears to have broken that gentleman's agreement. So this looks to be a much more complex scenario mm-hmm. than what we normally caricaturize it. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, just take this reminds me of what happened in China a few years ago yeah. where they said, all right, well, I think we're going to be cool with Christians in China just as long as you guys don't try and take over the government. Yeah. And uh, they said, if you're a Christian, you can just come out with it. And so many people came out. It was like like 90 million, mm-hmm. 100 million people turned out to be Christian. And they went, whoa. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's illegal again, because it freaked them out. Yeah. See, here's the thing. 
we think about the fear of the persecution. Of course, we haven't had it yet, but mm-hmm. it'll probably come here. We we think about the fear of the persecution. We don't think about the enemy side and the fear they have of believers. Mm-hmm. And they have a very real fear. I think Reverend Wormbrand understood that. Mm-hmm. I think he grasped that, but I don't know if most of us do. Um, it says, uh, Farouz Kanjani said the church wanted to be out in the open and had asked to have physical churches in which to operate under the previous presidential administration. That was at the time of Katami, you know, who was the previous president. Mm-hmm. We believed it was possible. He was more open to minority groups, but unfortunately he didn't have the will. We had believed in him. A court in Shiraz, Iran, recently released a group of Christians who had been arrested for subversion. The court ultimately ruled that they were uh, just exercising their right to practice their religion. Human rights activists say the higher courts could follow their example. If you understood what I said there, there was a court in Iran that was worried they had some kind of indication that there was some sedition kind of activity going on when the group called themselves Christians. Mm -hmm. But they had a court, they had regular procedural stuff, Mm -hmm. and they found out that now they're just practicing the faith Hmm. and let them go. No. So it does happen. Yeah. I think when it doesn't happen, there as in other places, it's because you have a power struggle and you have powerful people that may be clerics, Muslim clerics, whatever, Mm -hmm. that need to get rid of certain people that are causing them power issues or political, and they will use that as a way to make it happen. Yeah. I think the same thing happened in Russia all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, you cross somebody wrong, you know, a communist guard. Uh, It certainly happened in Jesus' day. You know, I mean, you remember uh, Mordecai and Haman? Haman didn't like the look of Mordecai and other stuff, so he was the one that sort of engineered the persecution. Mm-hmm. It was a personal vendetta. Yeah. You know, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were worried about their power. They were really not the official government, but they worked through the government to cause it. And that's the thing we need to keep in mind. It's not always the monolithic government causing it, but there are people Key who people have a personal... Grab the reins. And, and that's why we better be careful when we are in a scenario like that to start just honking people off and getting real arrogant as Christians. Mm-hmm. Because we can bring grief on ourselves unnecessarily because of someone. Not, not sometimes you can't help it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're just called to suffer, you know. Um, but it says, sources say that while the Iranian regime doesn't look fondly upon conversion, it is proselytizing that really rankles them. Kajani has made a plea to America. The U.S., which is fighting for freedom, has to take care of the situation. This is the 21st century. We are not a military group. We want to worship God according to the gospel, and being persecuted is not acceptable. Hmm. Well, I hate to tell him that he's going to be like, hey, we're going to be, persecution will be part of it. But not that I want them to go through it any more than I would any of our Futurians. Sure. Um, the problem is, you know, what, you know what limits our ability to intervene like this? Money. Well, okay. Well, that part indirectly. The fact is, we've decided they're an enemy. Yeah. We made them an enemy. Lack of love. We fight them. Yeah. Therefore, we don't have we don't have business with them. We don't do trade. We don't have that kind of stuff. So we we basically have embargoes against governments like this. Mm-hmm. And when you have that, you have no leverage to help people like this in trouble. If we had lots of commerce. If we had a lot of stuff where the two governments sort of help businesses do stuff back and forth, there are strings that can be pulled that it behooves governments on both sides to knock off this foolishness. Mm -hmm. And we have used that as a government all the time. But when we make these artificial enemies and this kind of stuff, Christians end up suffering for it and paying a price. Of course. Of course. 
I don't know if any of you all, maybe I'm just real cynical, but when I read this kind of stuff, I sort of see the same kind of efforts being done at people of other religions here in our country where they where they want to do this similar kind of means of control of people. And when you look, see Christians suffering by it, it's certainly not much fun. Yeah. And if you don't mind, I'm going to close. That's the end of the story, but okay. I'd like to just say a quick prayer uh, yeah. for uh, Brother Nader Khani, if that's okay. Yeah. Can I say it quickly yeah. and we'll yeah. move on? Heavenly Father, uh, we and there are the Futurians listening right now come uh, before uh, entreating you on behalf of Brother Nader Khani, our brother in the Lord, who uh, has borne great fruit for the kingdom, Lord, by his bravery and his wholehearted selling out to you, Lord, for the kingdom. Lord, we pray for protection for him and for anyone that might be with him and for his family, for his fellow believers in the entire church in Iran. We pray, Lord, that you would provide a protective covering. Uh, if for some reason, for your namesake, that suffering and persecution needs to happen, then we pray that you would make the burden light on them and help them ease through the persecution days, Lord. But we do pray for their protection. We pray that if it be your will, that the execution would be stayed or uh, avoided through whatever miraculous reason you do, that he'd be released, Lord, and join his family and his his congregation. Lord, we pray for all the brethren over there. We pray that the church in America would would look to you for advice on how to help spiritual matters in, in the rest of the world. Not listen to our government for advice, but look to you directly and to respond around the world, for all of our brothers and sisters scattered around the world, in a way that advances your kingdom and not others' agendas. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen to that, man. Amen. Okay, I'll I'll uh, drop her at that. And, Sweet. Uh, we'll move on. You got something for us, bro? Yeah, I got I got uh, a short little piece here, and then maybe get to a longer news article. Okay. Uh, all this talk about uh, Iran and persecution and stuff mm-hmm. uh, reminded me of this thing that I I had from uh, uh, the Voice of the Martyrs, which I read almost obsessively at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, it starts out. It's a little little just three or four or five paragraph thing. It says, uh, it's the, the headline is, Sometimes I miss those days of persecution. The words came from an Iranian pastor who had escaped from to the West. In Iran, arrest and police harassment were common experiences. He had even lost his home and job because of his faith. Now he was free to live and worship wherever he wished. How long, how he, uh, how he, how could he long for the days of persecution? Sometimes I miss those days, he said. Because I was so alive, I felt every day that Jesus was with me. The pastor had planted a church near the front lines of the Iran-Iraq war, and he had earned money by driving a taxi and grew his church by sharing Christ with his passengers. In two years, he had won souls from nine language groups. (laughs) Many soldiers worshipped with him each week, and he had baptized 15 Muslim converts. Wow. The pastor and his wife counted on God for everything. When the bombs of war fell around them, they prayed for his protection. When there wasn't enough money, they prayed for his provision, and each day God came through for them. Their ministry was rewarded. Ten members of his church had gone on to become pastors. Even now, the pastors, the pastor can see fruit from the time of his ministry at the front lines. And, uh, yeah, it goes on. Uh, if you've never been in love, you cannot understand what it is to be heartbroken. If you have never lost a loved one, you cannot truly relate to those who mourn. You cannot understand a longing for something you have ever you've never experienced. Those who have been persecuted for their faith describe a peculiar longing. 
They long not for the persecution as much as they long for the sense of fellowship their persecution brought them. Mm. They don't miss the torture uh, as much as they miss what the torture taught them. The end result far outweighs the suffering. If you want to experience a deeper walk with Jesus, you must be willing to obediently sacrifice for him. Uh, And that is also a type of suffering. Wow. You mean like even sacrifice like Sunday morning's rest when you really just feel under the weather to go worship or uh, go I mean, help with a ministry when you don't like kind of suffering? Yeah, you know, I would say more along the lines of like... That's asking that, a lot for American yeah, Christians. Yeah, that, that crazy guy who seems out of his mind, you know, maybe buy him a 99-cent hamburger and... And cutting back, on our, cutting back on our lifestyle a little bit, our standard of living. Yeah, something like that, you know. You said you had a longer one to share. Uh huh. This is from uh well, well you don't like you don't like having the choices. I won't give you the choice. I'll just read it. Yeah. Um, I like to be predestined into the story. Yeah. Well, this is uh from uh, Mother Jones. Yeah. Motherjones.com. Wait, did the USDA just deregulate all new genetically modified crops? Mm-mm. Uh, this was dated about a week ago. Uh, it's a hoary bur- bureaucratic trick making a controversial announcement on the Friday afternoon before a long weekend when most people are daydreaming about what, what beer to buy on the way home from work or, uh, or are checking movie times online. But that's precisely what the U.S. Department of Agriculture polled last Friday. In an innocuous-sounding press release titled USDA's Response, Response to Regulation Requests Regarding Kentucky Bluegrass, agency officials announced their decision not to re- regulate a Roundup-ready strain of Kentucky Bluegrass. That is, a strain genetically engineered to withstand gliophosphate, phosphate, uh, Monsanto's widely used herbicide, which we know as Roundup. The mar- maker of the novel grass weed, Scott's miracle Grow, is now free to sell it far and wide. So you'll no doubt be seeing Roundup-ready bluegrass blanketing lawns and golf courses near you, and watching uh, neighbors and groundskeepers literally dousing the grass and weed killer without fear of harming a single precious blade, uh, which is worrisome enough. But even more worrisome is the way that the way this particular product was approved. According to Doug Gurian Sherman, senior scientist at the Union of Concerned Scientists Food and Environmental Program, the document released by the USDA Animal and Plant Health Inspection Services, along with the announcement, portend a major change in how the feds deal with genetically modified crops. Notably, given the already lax regulatory regime governing GMOs, APHIS seems to be ramping down oversight to the point where it, essentially, it is essentially meaningless. The new regime corresponding with the, with the bluegrass announcement would drastically weaken USDA's regulation, Gurian Sherman told me. This is perhaps the most serious change in U.S. regs for genetically modified crops for many years. Understanding why, requi- why requires a brief history of the U.S. government's twisted attempts to regulate GMOs. Since the Reagan, Reagan days, federal regulatory, regulatory efforts, I'm like having a grand mal seizure over here, I don't know what's going on, uh, federal regulatory efforts have been governed by what is known as the Coordinated Framework for Regulation of Biotechnology. Despite its name, the Coordinated Framework amounts to a porous hodgepodge of regulations based on the idea that overseeing GMOs required no new laws, that the novel technology could be effectively regulated under already existing code. Long story short, it means that the USDA theoretically regulates new GMO crops the same way it would regulate 
say, a backyard gardener's new crossbred squash variety, <laughs> uh, which is to say it, it really doesn't. Uh, G- Go ahead. I was going to say, it just seems like with the other stories we hear, they're putting the hammer down on the locally grown organic people severe. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they're taking all restrictions off this mega agribusiness stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, they're doing both of them. Yep. That's, that's sort of it. So, um, you know why? Why is that? Local Joe, old McDonald farmer, well, doesn't I, have the kind of political clout and money to put in a politician's pocket. Yeah, well, you can go to, uh, uh, hold on, I have the website here. It's called Oak Park, Oak Park Hates Veggies dot WordPress dot com. And it's this lady who it's it's one of the stories I you know, yeah. kind of a theme here. Uh basically she decided to make these a couple of these four by four raised beds in her front yard and they were really actually pretty nicely manicured. I saw pictures of them. They you know, they weren't they weren't perfect but they you know, they didn't look bad. They were you know, she just had a little garden out in her front right, yard. Right. And uh they basically told her that that was illegal and they cited her for half a dozen things and uh they basically said that, you know, it's, well, it's too late now. Uh, you know, the way that we read the law, which is totally ambiguous, it says, mm-hmm. it, it said that your front yard will be covered by lawn or some other com- common type of plant. And they go on in another part of the law to define common plants as tomatoes, carrots, squashes, and, you mm-hmm. know, other garden plants. And uh, they say, well, no, that, that only applies for that part, but this part it doesn't. Right, and so she was facing uh, up to 93 days in jail for that mm-hmm. for for planting that garden out in her front lawn, hmm. and uh, she actually it's this is a cool it's a cool thing she actually put out a uh, you know put up this website called Oak Park Hates Veggies mm-hmm. uh, at WordPress.com and a couple other places the stories made national news and she had a petition put out 28,000 people signed it. And, uh, like, mm-hmm. people came down en masse to the city council meeting. And I guess the city council people got really angry and was, like, shouting, her da- shouting them down. And, I, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't mm-hmm. there. I only sort of read some, some commentary on it. But, it, you know, they ended up sort of dropping the charges. But they picked up, after about a week, they picked up charges that uh, her dogs were didn't have licenses. And uh, she had got cited for it. And then she went and got the licenses. And after all of this, all of this veggie thing, they they picked up the the dog licensing thing as we're going to try and try and take her, haul her off to jail with that. So the, they'll find an excuse, in other words. Yeah, yeah. Again, well, any the, government around the world, that's what they do. They get somebody they want to get. They'll try to find something. That's why they use the IRS to get Capone with, because mm-hmm. he'd been too savvy to get caught otherwise. So mm-hmm. they'll find something that you violate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so that's that's the thing. They they drop the charges, but suddenly the dogs. Uh, uh, the the lady's name was Miss Bass. Uh, he mm-hmm. reported Bass got licenses for her dogs after she was charged in June, and showed the paperwork to officials. Uh, typically, cases are closed after the issue is addressed. Um, uh, Radner. Who's who's uh, who's her attorney, I believe. Um, but Radner spoke to an Oak Park City attorney colleague who informed him that the dog license charge is not dead against Bass, something he called a very dirty move. Mm-hmm. Misdemeanor charges, including failure to have a do- dog license, typically carry a 93-day jail sentence. So, yeah. 
They yeah. didn't get her on the veggie, so now they're going to get her on her unlicensed unlicensed beagle mm-hmm. or basset hound or whatever. Yeah. So, um, I think this is another case where, when sh- shows like ours, and it goes, I mean, you can listen to talk radio, you can listen to the anti New World Order stuff, and whatever. Everybody's trying to find who the culprit is. Who's the real problem for all of our problems? And I'm getting more and more to believe that if we want to find a problem with bad governing or with bad, we need to just stop and go look in the mirror. It's not the other political party. Mm-hmm. It's not them liberals or conservatives or whatever. It's not any of these kind of people. This stuff goes on because we let it go on. And because mm-hmm. enough citizens don't care to go to these meetings to go maybe do a little fun kind of uh, protest kind of thing, like maybe go dump a bunch of vegetables on the front lawn of these people or drive around with it in your truck bed. You know, these people don't want to see vegetables around here, or we're just going to drive around and let them look at vegetables a lot. You yep. know, um, that's, you know, to me, that's what it boils down to. As long as we let, we let a citizen hang out to dry. Now, I'm trying to think of the benefit of the doubt on this particular one about... You know, I mean, sometimes it can be unsightly if if you have an upscale neighborhood with manicured lawns to have somebody having a vegetable garden in the front. Yeah, well, so it depends upon how it looks and all yeah. that kind of stuff. You know, I, I I mean, I hate to morph this whole thing, but I I looked at the I looked at the photos of the of the thing because you know, twenty eight thousand people, some people are going to start writing into the city council, and that's exactly what happened, yeah. saying. What justification do you have for setting this lady for growing vegetable gardens? Because the law is certainly un, mm-hmm. you know, it's certainly it's certainly vague here because it defines them as common gr- common grasses and plants, mm-hmm. and then goes on in the later part to define common grasses as yeah. plants as tomatoes and cucumbers. Right. So what's the deal? And they said, well, we got complaints from other neighbors that the the place looked like a New Orleans New Orleans cemetery. And when you look at it, it's four four by four boxes with, you know, tomatoes and stuff growing yeah, out of them. Yeah. It's not that bad. Yeah. I guess what I'm thinking is there ought to be able to be a compromise. All I'm th- I don't know what her neighborhood looks like. If it's like a real upscale ritzy with these super manicured lawns, and they want to keep everything just so mm-hmm. and their property value, and they think that's you know, bringing something hillbilly or something to have that or whatever. But you know what? I the big picture is, we need to change what we think is beautiful. That's the big thing as a society. We need to find that vegetable gardens everywhere are beautiful. They should be like a, a chic kind of, uh, you know, I forget what the word you use. When you want to do it because everybody else is doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs to become status symbol mm-hmm. to have vegetable gardens. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, even with really fancy homes, it should be considered beautification to actually raise food. Because you know as well as me. That arable land that's being put into use to grow food for our world mm-hmm. is diminishing, and what we have is in the hands of these mega agribusinesses. Mm-hmm. And they're dumping all sorts of chemicals and stuff and poisoning the groundwater. There are whole counties where you have to have significant amounts of uh, filtration, not because of the, you know the ga- the groundwater is scaly mm-hmm. or it's lime you know limic or calcified. Mm-hmm. It's because the uh, the hog mm-hmm. the the hog population of the of the county has rendered, you know, their their yeah. you know, their waste has rendered the groundwater toxic. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I just watched a thing today about these guys who did a bunch of underground drilling and stuff in this in this one county and uh this guy says, Hey, you wanna see this? Come over here. Mm-hmm. And uh he holds a lighter up to the water coming out of his tap. 
yeah. and it it lights the whole kitchen on fire for about two seconds. Yeah, it's like a fireball out of the that thing coming out. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's 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 pretty bad. Well, you know this just gives me an idea of something. If some of our Futurians just recently have been thinking, hmm, what can I do? What kind of difference I could make? You know, you could run for city council, local city council, and try to get zoning legislation in that is gardening friendly, mm-hmm. local garden friendly. In other words, make it easier hoops to go through if you're doing it than other things. Mm-hmm. You will make a better planet in a biblically justifiable way. If you can promote individuals growing their own food, exchanging it amongst themselves, mm-hmm. and cutting out these diabolical stuff we don't know what's going to do to our body. I mean, we always worry about the great red menace or the Muslim menace or whatever marching lockstep across the ocean and coming and getting us. Mm-hmm. When our real enemy is probably in our grocer's section. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. I mean, That's just, the real enemy to society just, is right there. Yeah, just watch those um, Just watch those, those Food and Drug Administration police crack down on the, the raw milk and cheese there at yeah. Rossum, yeah. Rossum Organic Grocers there in Los Angeles. The stuff that people have consumed for a long period of time. Yeah, like pretty much, you know, for like a mm-hmm. thousand, two, three, four thousand years. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, the thing is, they can't make as much money on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What's the FDA going to do on stuff that's natural? I mean, there's no money to be made in regulating that. Yeah, it's know? it's an odd thing. It, it, you know, it's interesting we're talking about government and all this. I don't know if anybody's followed the court site, you know, what's been going on at court site, but uh, the, the, the city council basically uh, usurped the mayor's authority and they've arrested a bunch of people. Where is this at? Uh, Courtside, Arizona. Yeah. You heard about any of this? Uh. You know, just talking about rogue government. Yeah. You know, the mayor has done some, the former mayor now, I guess. I mean, yeah. he's still the mayor. It's just I he's not for power. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've been following it because yeah. I had a lot of friends who used to live in Courtside and I used to really? drive through there occasionally. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing. I just heard that, a, I just, in fact, I heard another town in Arkansas was forbidding people to get together and talk about local politics. <laughs> Seriously, I read. A, I mean, even the Stasi in East Germany would let you do that. Yeah, no, he says you can. You can't have a meeting, no matter how big or small, to get if it means you're going to get together and talk about local politics. Now, I could see if they would forbid it in family get-togethers, you know, for the uh, betterment of mankind, but not just average citizens to do it. No, you know? no, I mean, you gotta. It's wow. bad. Yeah, you wouldn't want that to happen. We mm. just want to rubber stamp these people. Yep. Would you like me to read a little story? Please. I, You know, this one I had actually below in the stack, and I've called an audible here and brought it to the top because I think it's a little bit more consistent with the theme that's emerging out of our show t- mm-hmm. tonight. Um, this is from a gentleman named Andrew Steele. And Andrew Steele has a 911, you know, studies site. Mm-hmm. I have no indication he's a Christian. But I found his story. It was linked on the Infowars site, although it's elsewhere, including mm-hmm. his own site. But I, but uh, they mentioned there. It says, uh, uh, I've cut off the titles. Uh, the, uh, something like ignoring the world we don't cherish. What makes the world worth saving? Or enjoying the world if we don't cherish what makes the world worth saving. Hmm. Now I see the title. There's no point saving the world. If we don't cherish what makes the world worth saving. Okay? Mm-hmm. So before I butchered that, what he's saying is we get all worked up, all of us, 
our Futurians, you and me and others, about trying to save the world from all these things we do. But we need to cherish what it is we're trying to preserve and, and enjoy it. Uh, he says, these are scary times we live in. We often, often we think about the false flag event of 911 and the wars based on lies that followed in association with the word tragedy. We think about, uh, violence, death, the loss of civil liberties, and the loss of freedom around the world. Given the magnitude of these realities, it's easy for activists fighting this enormous monster to lose sight of the more seldom noticed tragedy. The divisions that were created in our country and their impact on the relationships between individuals. It's hard not to feel like the guy in the Twilight Zone episode who sees the monster outside his seat window. Uh, though the planned destruction of the United States was already set in motion before September 11th, it wasn't until after the event that lines were drawn within America. Lines between, quote, truthers and those who disparaged them, between those who opposed the wars and those who legitimately believe that our leaders have uh, committed our blood and treasure to overseas adventures with the best interest of the United States and its people in mm-hmm. mind. As well, lines between people who desperately work to put out the fire that the globalists started and expose the lies, and those who for personal reasons either choose not to burden themselves with the realities of life, or those who believe that a stronger strategy is making the world a better place by being decent and charitable with their time and money, letting positive energy do the work of stopping the evil. Hmm. The urgent ramifications of 911 truth and the issues related to it and the collusion of the mainstream media with political leaders to keep these issues stifled has generally forced debate beyond the realm of polite conversation. In other words, it gets heated because we don't have a mainstream way to talk about it. He says, what has developed has properly been dubbed an info war, and like any war, its impact is far-reaching. As a truther, it's hard not to feel like the guy... Um, Okay, it's not hard to feel like the guy in the Twilight Zone episode who sees the monster outside of his seat's window tampering with the wing of the plane. Okay, if you're, fam- if you're familiar, that's a famous Twilight Zone episode, uh-huh. you know, where William Shatner's trying to get people to see the monster outside. Finding oneself screaming bloody murder for others to do something while the monster disappears every time somebody looks outside. However, a greater analogy of the situation in regard to 911 truth and related issues is that others see the monster, but either pretend not to or simply don't care, mm-hmm. seeming to not understand that if the wing is broken, everyone on board is going to die. It says if the U.S. government killed 3,000 of its own people last time, how many will it kill next time? More often, people viciously attack the person who mentions that the monster is on the wing, and this creates better resentment. Now, they say, indeed, 911 truth saves the world. Well, I think Jesus saves the world, but yeah. now I'm on one truth. If it's truth, then Jesus is for it's truth. It. So yeah. uh, it says, yet the continued fight to spread the truth impacts daily lives and personal interactions because of the divisions listed before and because of the truth teller's tendency, whether he or she is conscious of it or not, to look for any opportunity to share info and to condemn sheeple, even during precious times with family and friends and what should be intimate moments with loved ones. This is a good word for all of us to hear. Mm -hmm. While it is part of one's survival instinct to want to bring others into the circle and to fight back in greater numbers, 
It is also important to remember this. Saving the world will mean nothing if we don't also cherish the days, experiences, and the people who make the world worth saving. Sometimes those people are ones who don't agree with us, who venomously attack us for what we have to say, or who aren't ready to hear the truth just yet, or don't want to at the moment. From all of them, we have things to learn, among them being another truth worth spreading, that there are no sheeple. There are only people, frightened as much as we are, their condemnation and apathy fueled by the same frustration, mm-hmm. or fear of that frustration, that motivates us to get the word out. When we label our fellow men and women as sheep, we give power to the illusions of our enemies, who throughout history have also believed that the world's people are sheep, and relish in it, believing themselves to be shepherds leading the herd to the shearing. Why else would King Tut's tomb portray him holding a rod and a staff? Yes, we must remain vigilant in beating back every lie, working uh, for an end to the wars, a truly independent investigation in one one and to stop the encroaching world government and its technological slave grid from being put in place. With every lie we expose, we steal another day back from those who would wish to turn our world into a living hell. But if we don't truly live those days... Uh, we don't truly live those days in the victory's hollow. As well, if we allow our mission, motivated by our common love of humankind, to be mutilated into one of frustration, sparked anger, then all we accomplish is creating the kind of hatred and chaos that the enemy thrives on in order to divide and conquer us. That is a different kind of hell on earth, one based on good intentions, but which also makes us wander into inescapable dark corners. This hell already exists to some extent, and indeed has resulted in breaking up marriages and ruined friendships. Mm-hmm. And yes, I myself at times have been guilty of letting frustration and anger lead me, sometimes even hindering my mission and undermining my message. For the lies of 911 and other related issues to be exposed, activists must remember that they are in the business of opening people's eyes, not shoving them down. And that bringing real change means offering solutions and not simply scolding people for being afraid to see what's in front of them. Like revolutionaries before us, we are in this unique position of having to write the strategy book as we go along. While this itself may seem daunting, we may inevitably stumble along the way. It is important to accept the responsibility of being held up to a higher standard, because the reward will be a better world, made on the day when victory is ours, we no longer have to talk about Building 7 ever again. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think it's powerful. You know, I was uh, I was talking to some friends about we were just sort of sharing like ministry stuff and having a good conversation, mm-hmm. good discourse. And uh, you know, we were talking about you know it's easy. Sometimes it, it he says it feels like it's more more easy. It's easier to to share Jesus with people who have sort of you know, been through problems and stuff. It's like mm-hmm. they understand that they're messed up. Yeah. What do you do with people who are already like good people, you know, like yeah. they've got their head on straight and they donate to charities and, yeah. you know, go out and do stuff. And my feeling is uh, what's, you know, just a little bit echoed in there is, is you know, uh, I, I got this from Richard Wormbrand, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, you know, um, sometimes people are good, you know, and they're they're good folks and, 
You know, they're trying to do good. They're trying to r- do right, and they have love in whatever way mm-hmm. they they have it. They just need to expand that love. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, he talked about that in the, the book we talked about, Jesus, friend of terrorists. Yep, that's exactly where I got it from. Yeah. You know, it's not that these people are. You know, it's not that they're good. You don't have to paint them as depraved either. I no, mean, you don't have no. to paint them as like you're you're just worthless scum. I mean, granted, you know, when we're lost in our sins, we have a spiritual status <laughs> of nothing without Christ. But as far as their general human virtues and stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, and in fact, if you use the example of Paul at Mars Hill, he complimented them on their virtues. He mm-hmm. says, I see you're a greatly religious people here. Mm-hmm. You know, I see you have a God here I relate to. Let me tell you a little bit more about him. Well, I think that's powerful rather than, you know, it's it's a it's a subtle but profound mind shift, mm-hmm. mindset change. Uh, you know, just like you started your talk off there at the, the politics of religion, you didn't say, look, we're going to be covering some stuff that's really dark and scary. You're like, I want to welcome you all here, and I want to tell you that I think you guys are all here for a reason. And I think, uh, you know, I want to praise God that you guys are here to hear this talk because I know God is working with you because y'all are here and you're ready to ready mm-hmm. to hear whatever it is I have to say, right or wrong. Yeah. You know, something along those lines. I yeah. thought I madly misquoted you, but um, you probably made it better. That was the one thing <laughs> proved it. Can't yeah. help with that. But yeah. Well, the point is, is that um, you know, you can see that these people are already, you know, like sort of doing good. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the problem is they just need to enlarge their love. Their mm-hmm. their their love is too small. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Well, I thought that was just a real word for me. Uh, that story, and that's coming from somebody who may not be a Christian. Mm-hmm. But um, one is learn to appreciate the things that you have. And every conversation we have with everyone doesn't have to be a big battle. Now, sometimes you're offered an opportunity on a silver platter when somebody looks you in the eye and says, "What do you think about this?" You know, and even then you can do it in a way that doesn't have to cut people off at the knees, mm-hmm. even though people need to hear and people need to care enough to share what they say. But timing is everything. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think being a Christian, if you really closely look at how Jesus does stuff and you learn that, that's an advantage to Christians in these kind of matters mm-hmm. because you learn there's a time and a place. Like Solomon says, you know, in Ecclesiastes, um, there, there, there was a time and a way to approach people. Mm-hmm. And the way I saw Jesus, sometimes some of the the his most closest religious affiliated people he was harshest with, whereas some people that he could be way far off on on things, he mm-hmm. cut the most slack, mm-hmm. which I find is a very interesting yeah. thing. It's it's interesting how you can how how he related to people. I think that's something mm-hmm. that's been totally totally missed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that I really have to mm-hmm. work on and learn a lot. You know gets back to the golden rule and the empathy mm-hmm. is how you're going to tell somebody the truth. It's one thing to have the truth. It's another thing. How do you deliver it in a way for people to accept it? Mm-hmm. Are you going to deliver it in a way that if you were that other person, you would be attracted to it or you'd be repulsed by it? Yeah. One thing that I read, uh, I guess this will be my final comment on it, but one thing that I read from a book was this guy's 10 rules of evangelizing people. Mm -hmm. And one of them was that the one that really hit me was nobody's going to listen to you unless they think that you like them. Yeah. That's like, "Hmm." good point. Wow. That's a good point. Yeah. It's a very good point. Yeah. Well, Hey, do you want to hear, do you want me to read the city of Gould ordinance number city of what city of Gould, Arkansas? 
they are they were in fact I did a little investigating while you were doing there. Uh, the city of Gould was actually the one that enacted this. Uh, You're saying I didn't have your rapt attention. You did, but I wanted to find this advisory council's uh, sort of ordinance that disallows the Gould Citizens Advisory Council from existing and declares a federal emergency or emergency mm-hmm. and says that no new groups are allowed to exist Okay. and uh, all these things. So check this out. Well, was that the one or did you have something else? I thought you said, do you want to hear this like there was an or? Oh, you don't want to hear that one? Okay. If you want to, that's fine. I don't know what the other choice is. Uh, you know me, I like choices. That's not what you said a little while ago. Well, I, I, I changed. I see I have the choice to change and whether I like change. All right. Well, how about uh, the Wired magazine's Pentagon wants a social media propaganda machine? That it? Those are the two choices? Yeah, it's pretty weak, I know. I take A. Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's the city of Gould's uh, city uh, ordinance number 062011-5. Be it enacted by the city of Gould and the city council of the county of Lincoln, state of Arkansas, an ordinance to be entitled, an ordinance... Uh, an ordinance to disallow the Gould, the Gould Citizens Advisory Council from existing within the city limits of Gould. Be it mm. ordained by the city council, uh, by the city of Gould Council, city of Gould City Council, Section One, Gould Citizens Advisory Council's ability to operate within the city of Gould. The Gould Citizens Advisory Council, by the passage of this ordinance, is hereby banned from doing business in the city of Gould. Section 2, that the said council is, in effect, causing confusion and discourse, uh, what they meant is discord there, mm-hmm. among the citizens... Freudian sleep, yep, slip there. Yep, among the citizens of Gould, and as a result is contributing to the friction not only between the mayor and the council, but also among the citizens who deserve a cooperative government. Also, no new organization shall be allowed to exist in the city of Gould without the approval from a majority of the city council. Section 3. Therefore, an emergency is hereby declared to exist, and this ordinance being necessary for the immediate preservation of public peace, health, and safety shall be in full force and effect from and after passage and approval. So hmm. they just said, we don't like the, the city of Gould's, uh, what they're doing. They're now, they can't exist, and there's a state of emergency until we say otherwise. Hmm. Hmm. And what they were doing was just talking amongst citizens about political matters? Yeah, well, apparently the city of Gould, Arkansas, uh, there's about 1,300 people that live there, you know, mm-hmm. a typical small town. Uh, the, the Gould, the Gould, the GCAC, whatever it is, the Gould Citizens Action Council or something, um, the, the GCAC has claimed in other places to uh, the following accomplishments. They said they've identified and helped elect candidates who wanted to move the city forward. Uh, they sponsored city council retreats to develop strategic planning processes for Gould. They preserved the Gould school district archives when it was co- consolidated and made sure Gould's trophies were displayed at the students' new school. They identified abandoned housing and submitted a list to city officials for action. They sponsored a youth summit attended by 50 young citizens, produced a documentary on the history of Gould, hosted a citywide hosted numerous citywide cleanup campaigns and helped raise $11,000 earlier this summer through the Gould Tax Relief Fund to keep the IRS from seizing and liquidating the city property. This sounds like horrible activity. No wonder they were stopped. Yep. Uh, what's, what's the justification of why 
they were told to deceased. Is there something we're not being told? Yeah, they well, uh, according to the Arkansas Times, uh, the Gould City Pal they they passed the ordinance that disallows the voluntary association, um, and they also passed another ordinance that evicted the GAC from its meeting place, GCAC. They said yeah. they can no longer uh, no longer meet there. Right, which is funny because the building had been donated by a bank mm-hmm. there in town uh, for this for group. the spe- specific purpose of the GCAC meeting there, um, uh. and they and with the understanding that at some point the GCAC was going to be use it use it as a community resource center. Hmm. What do you think is the significance of this story? Oh, I'm sure it's just you know normal everyday thing. Um, well, what would uh, be the motto? The motto of this is big government is almost as is not quite as bad as small government. Uh, I guess coming full circle on our show, I would say it almost necessitates these people who are civic minded to have to go meet in secret like the people in Iran were talking about doing. Ding. That things really aren't as different as we'd let on that they are in mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you have it. The no mean, good indeed goes unpunished. Yeah. Whether you're in Iran trying to worship God or you're trying to help your fellow man in Gould, Arkansas. Yeah, man. Well, you don't want to... Those Gould, Arkansas people, they're crazy. I wonder, like, if you come in, like, to the town, like, you know, when you're, like, welcome to Gould, if it has a sound like, you know, civic activities not welcome here. It's got a picture, just like they say in 1984, you want a vision of the future. It's like a... a Yeah, stomping on a face. Yeah, forever. (laughs) Welcome to Gould. <laughs> oh, well, maybe we'll pass by Gould. You don't know what part of the state's in, do you? Uh, Lincoln County. I don't maybe know where that what, is. Because we have one possible route on Thursday that actually goes through Arkansas. So, Can I share one more quick story before we get to our, new, our uh, emails? Yeah. This is a quick one. This is one, too, that's sort of a head-scratcher and... Uh, I've read some stories here that are a little different than what I would normally read as far as different positions. And this is one like this. This is from the Christian Post. Okay. It says, Southern Baptist leader chides Kane for mosque ban remarks. Um, Southern Baptist leader Richard Land. You know our buddy yeah. Richard Land? He has chided presidential candidate Herman Kane. For disregarding the constitutional rights of U.S. Muslims during a Monday C-SPAN interview, he reminded Kane that as a Christian and an African American, he should have a special interest in the enforcement of the Constitution in all communities, not just approved ones. Now, remember Richard Land, he also um, came out against the Ground Zero Mosque. Mm-hmm. He fought Big that. Time. Somebody else accused him of somehow being kind to Muslims because he was on some kind of like cross-religion discussion group that he quickly resigned when he was accused of being nice to Muslims. Mm-hmm. So he has this weird reputation. Now, I'm not trying to be unfair. If I had to capsulize my perspective of him, he's he's a guy who's very much... Power-hungry? In theocracy. Take yeah. America back for theocracy. Very strong conservative. Mm-hmm. He's the one that said, vote for the lesser evil, that we have an obligation to do that. And that's why we should vote for McCain, mm-hmm. even if we don't agree with everything he has. We should vote. Political power is very, very important, getting it back. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of things we talk against. You know, sort of flirts with the dominionism crowd, speaks a lot of things with them. So he has a lot of this kind of stuff, and he's had he's had some positions where he, again, was fighting a mosque here and ground zero stuff. But having said all that, to be fair, I want to read this story. Land, president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, addressed the businessman turned presidential candidate, this is Herman Cain, Mm -hmm. in a Monday broadcast saying, Don't throw out the baby with the bath, Mr. Cain. Last week, Cain told reporters that the plan to build the Islamic Center of Murfreesboro in Rutherford County, Tennessee, right there in Murfreesboro, is an infringement and an abuse of our freedom of religion. What? Building the mosque was an infringement on freedom of religion. He sided with community leaders who have protested the center, saying the center is another way to gradually sneak Sharia law into our laws. Cain, an associate pastor at Antioch Baptist Church North, which I didn't know that, and a GOP presidential hopeful, argued last week that the ICM is not an innocent mosque and warned of the threat of Sharia or Islamic law in American law to American laws. He asserted in a Sunday Fox News interview, this is just recently, that the Murfreesboro community has the right to ban the center's construction. He he said, Land says he agrees that allowing Sharia law in the courts is unconstitutional as it also violates the rights of women. He agreed that it should not be enforced in America's legal system or government, but reminded the public that the First Amendment allows for religious freedom. <sighs> Shazam! Mm-hmm. Thought I'd never hear that. I think the First Amendment is one of those amendments that is too important and protects rights that are too central to our guaranteed rights in this country to be left with a local option, he asserted. In other words, it should be protected federally. So a local group... Well, no, what he's saying is a local group shouldn't be able to wipe out your freedom of religion. You understand what I'm saying? You know, Just like civil rights. You know, they said civil rights is a federal issue... So, like, some kind of little town can't stop civil rights. The federal government should have the authority to enforce civil rights everywhere. Well, okay. He's saying the same thing with the First Amendment. Uh, I, I freedom of religion. I, I, I think that's a false argument, but okay. That that freedom of religion shouldn't be no, protected? No, freedom of religion is a federal right. It's a natural, it's part of natural law. Now, and as such... To be technically right, you're right. That is true. What he is talking about is is jurisdiction of enforcement. Mm -hmm. Okay? Probably, I'm not, you know I'm not a Richard Land defender, but... Maybe. But what he's he's saying here is that somebody's got to have enforcement jurisdiction. Uh And he's saying the federal government should have enforcement, since it's part of the Constitution. Okay. So, you know. Okay. He says... um, like us on uh, on Facebook, uh, oh, excuse me, like Christians, Muslims have the right to have places of worship where they live, Land said. Do you hear what he said? No. Like, uh, he says, let me read that again. Like Christians, Muslims have the right to have places of worship near where they live, Land said. Okay. Additionally, Muslims and Christians have the shared right to abide by the rules of their faith. As long as that faith is not imposed on the government, he argued. Wow, hmm. that's great. Okay, okay, I'm with you so he far. He says Muslims and Christians, your Muslim community, Christian community, whatever, they have the right to abide by the rules of their faith. 
In other words, if you and I want to live by the rules of what the gospel says and what it is to be in a Christian community, we have the right to do that. If Muslim people want to do that in their community, that's fine. They cannot impose it, nor can we on the federal government. Because that basically makes us tyrants over everybody else. In fact, one set of Christians shouldn't be able to do it on another set of Christians. So he may accidentally, I don't know if he fully understands the gravity of what he just said there, because what it also means is that Christians can't do that either. Hmm. Not only that, but it would not be serving it the way Christ wants to do it, to get mm-hmm. good stuff done. But but he's accidentally backing in what I believe is to some truth. Now he says... Um, Muslim women in America have a right to choose to be veiled and abide by Sharia in their marriages. Land said he would fight to the death to protect Christian rights to abide by biblical precepts in their marriages. Similarly, he contended, I defend to the death the Muslims' right to marry according to their customs. That's the first time I've heard a major leader like that say that. And totally, it's, to me, very, very different than the kind of positions he's had before. Uh, yes, I can't help but think, like, does he make these up as he rolls the dice? or? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get too worked out and read too much into it. I don't know if he fully understands what he's saying. But he's actually saying it in a somewhat eloquent way. Yeah, no, I mean, um, yeah. The Southern Baptist also asserted, that Baptist, now he's talking about the whole convention, but him, also asserted that Cain who boasts that he is the descendant of slaves, should defend Muslims' rights under the Constitution so that they are upheld in every community, city, and state. Mr. Cain, of all people, as an African-American, should understand that our civil rights have to be guaranteed on a federal level, he said. I don't think he would want to leave the civil rights of an African-American to the local voters in Philadelphia and Mississippi where they buried three civil rights workers, one black, two white, under a dam after they had killed them. Cain defended his views on Muslim Sunday evening, telling blogger Robert Stacy McCain, I don't, back out one, I don't back down one iota for my statement. He further defended a previous statement in which he, Cain, said that he would not be comfortable having a Muslim in his administration. That is not discriminatory, Cain asserted, but rather him being cautious. So he's not discriminating by saying like they a, couldn't like be part of it. Special secret, like a top Ooh. secret Muslim. Ah, well, yeah. He deflected discrimination claims, saying, "No, it's not the same kind of discrimination that went on in this country in the 50s and 60s." He wouldn't be like saying, "I wouldn't have a black in my administration." That wouldn't mm-hmm. be, you know, discrimination. Kane said attorneys defending ICM opponents in court told him that they know for a fact that the extremist group. The Muslim Brotherhood is behind the center's construction. Those who make accusations of discrimination, Cain said, are trying to intimidate Americans from discussing the threat of Sharia in this country. Okay, those who make accusations of discrimination. I don't know if that, we might be indirectly part of that. Plans for the ICM, this is the Muslim Center, reveal the building will house a mosque, an Islamic school, and a sports center. For its followers to worship and gather in. You've got to worry about those sports centers. By the way, I was just reading about um, one of the videos that's going around the law enforcement that like Waleed Chobot is showing mm-hmm. that's being paid for by our taxpayer dollars. Great. He's showing well, I know I'm gonna like this. that when the Muslims attack, that people who are golfers 
need to be protected because they have plans to go just assassinate golfers on the golf course and put grenades inside uh, golf carts. This is what he was teaching law enforcement with our taxpayer dollars. Okay. Great. Well, I'm sure that's it's very well thought out. I'm sure. Well, let me wrap this up here. All he right. says uh, its website. This is from the the new Muslim center trying to be built in Tennessee. Uh, its website describes the ICM's work as quote in line with the Islamic rules and the USA laws. Residents opposing the expansion of an existing mosque in Murfreesboro protested in the streets last year, charging that the country had not county had not properly informed them of ICM's plans. Residents later sued the county. Uh, during the, the November 2010 trial, attorney Joe Brandon Jr. peppered officials with questions about Islamic customs and Sharia law. A county judge ruled to allow the mosque to continue building the center, assumed to be well over 50,000 square feet in size when it's completed. Opponents of the mosque remain undaunted in their efforts. They are currently appealing the ruling. Mm-hmm. So, I just, you know, I know I've been told sometimes I take swipes a lot of Christian folk, but... I, I thought there might be a little glimmer of truth. I thought about maybe even contacting the guy. Yeah, that'd be great. He'd probably still turn us down a second time. You know, he the one time he, he agreed to come on once, and then he backed out of it uh, after he'd already agreed to it. Not him, but his handler. Mm-hmm. Might just catch, catch him at the right time. Who knows? Yeah, well, that'd be cool. I mean, he's a busy guy. He's meeting with important people, not us, but he might accidentally sure. come see us. So. Um, Unless you have anything else, I'm ready to go to emails. I was going to say you got the email thing rolling. Uh, I'd like to end a little bit on the, a little shorter end of time here because I've still got a lot of prep due. Mm-hmm. It's time we're recording this to get ready for our trip. So if you don't mind, give them a little break so they don't have the marathon like last week. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm I'm going to give at the end of the show the address for Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, on how you can contact if you want to be part of our study group. So mm-hmm. remind me of that here. Uh, you're going to go to that, right? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Plan to. Okay. This is um, this is uh, Stephen. Okay. And or Steve. This is Steve. Found out he's from Pittsburgh. One of our listeners of our show. Okay. Um, let's see here. He he says, uh, uh, Dr. Future, he says, I regularly listen to your show, Archives, in my patrol car when I have some downtime working the overnight shift as a police officer. Always great stuff by you and Tom. Hmm. Okay, so we got got a policeman here listening in his patrol car. Yeah, good. Um, I wonder if he ever has anybody in the back who listens to. Because they would be (laughs) your typical... He's got some dude on... Yeah. PCP like like you know like like shackled. Yeah. He's like dance bouncing around. And he goes, wait, it's Doctor Future. Ah! Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're describing the typical Futurian, basically yeah. somebody who should be incarcerated. Yeah, yeah. Um, should be or soon to be. But I thought that was sort of cool to picture somewhere out there. There is a policeman in Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. who's actually listening in this police car to Future Quake. He says, uh, I'm still anticipating a follow-up to your great talk on sorcery. I heard on the Chris White site. Thought you may be interested in some links um, and strong information that confirms your viewpoints on the topic. Um, and, he, and he gives a few things, including the drug-driven wars. He says, 
As a police officer, I see most of all the crime tied to drugs and alcohol. Most of our shootings are drug-related. Domestic violence is almost always fueled by alcohol and drugs. Burglars and robberies are committed to support drug habits. Arrests for selling and using drugs, drunk driving, violent gangs based on drug dealing, homelessness and unemployment aggravated by drug abuse, forging and abusing prescriptions, etc. This blows my mind when I see it up close and personal every day with no end in sight. What he's saying is everything has some kind of drug connection almost that he has. Mm -hmm. Whether it's, it could be alcohol, it could be hard drugs, it could be prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. Okay, he says, then when you factor in the endless ads for pharmaceuticals on TV, I mean, a lot of those are mind-altering drugs, a lot of the commercials now. Yeah, one of the stories I didn't get to was Al Jazeera that said uh, uh, how the U.S., how big pharma got Americans hooked on antipsychotic drugs, <laughs> and uh, it's called mass mass psychosis comes to the U.S. Wow. Yep. Yeah, they'll they'll drop a bomb on them just like who was it that wanted that? I forgot. I think it was Frank Gaffney who wanted them. Mm -hmm. take, it's a really great picture. It's like got a big picture of Pfizer and a cop standing right next to the logo. Yeah. You know, with wow. his hands on the belt, yeah. you know, ready to well, pop somebody. I suggest people listen to that more. Mm -hmm. It says, uh, he says, when you factor in the endless ads for pharmaceuticals on TV, which I quit watching years ago, thought you'd appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Sweet. He's of your, your fan club here, put the axe on the TV, with their endless side effects, which is basically lo legal dope pushing, the narco state of Mexico with its gruesome demonic mass killings, beheadings, and corruption, and the documented deep involvement with the U.S. government and drug running. Did you hear that? Documented deep involvement of the U.S. government in drug running. Okay. Wow. You don't hear that every day from a yeah. member of law enforcement. How can a reasonable mind not conclude, quote, for by thy sorceries were all the nations deceived? Hmm. He sees it the way we do here. That's cool. He says, along with L.A. Marzulli, Russ Dizdar, Chuck Missler, etc., I believe we are experiencing the birth pangs. Keep up the great work. God bless Steve. Uh, no, wait. Is he saying that those guys are experiencing the birth pangs? No, I think they, they agree with him. The oh, birth okay. are going on. <laughs> okay, let's go to our next friend here. This is uh, Brother John. Brother John. I wonder if he's sleeping. Hmm. Are you sleeping? Okay, Brother John uh, emails us. He's the one that uses that, that key word to get rid of future quick. He says, awesome. Okay, he says, good morning, my dear sir. While well, I type this email, I'm listening to Future Quake 257. I thank you and Tom Bionic for your courage to address stories that are not popular amongst modern Christian circles. The most telling story I've heard from the show over the last few weeks that clearly states what is going on in the church is the story Tom read by Mr. Nock. Remember about the remnant. Mm -hmm. I, want, I want you both to be encouraged. Your message, just as the gospel, will be received by the remnant. The Lord Jesus did share the unadulterated gospel with the masses that only the remnant received. He was killed because the truth the Lord Jesus Christ brought couldn't be received by the masses. Both of you continue to share the truth and stand for the word of God. There are remnant individuals praying for you both, which you will never know about until we dwell with the Father and the Son when Jesus comes back. Do you hear that, Tom? Those are some pretty high praise they're, words, They're man. praying for us. Okay? Well, I need it, man. The ones uh, we won't know about. 
Well, I've got so many things going on in my life right now. You know, an extra 20 seconds wouldn't hurt. We appreciate for that and also yeah. for our ministry here and our other yeah. ministries that you're doing and things. He says, I love you both. I don't pray for you enough, but I will pray for you more. Well, thank you, brother. Yeah. The Lord used you both to show me how I sinned against him and the Muslim people for hatred, with hatred for them in my heart hmm. instead of praying that they may come to the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, praise God. Isn't that awesome? Man, yeah. it probably really encourages just hearing that. Continue to remember that we are just passing through and this is not our home. That can be encouraging when reading some of these tough stories. And uh, I, I asked him, um, you know, I told him thanks for it. And he responded back and said, thank you for the reply. You can absolutely share us on, on air. He says, show 258 was pretty awesome, by the way. I'm probably one of the few Futurians hailing from Virginia Beach, Virginia. In regards to the sad stories of what is happening in the church and with the NAR, New, New Apostolic Reformation, Eddie Long, Criflo Dollar, T.D. Jakes, Rick Warren, the Catholic Church leadership, and many others, is what I believe to be the maturing and separating, separation of tares and wheat, hmm. which the Lord will ultimately do. He'll do it. Maybe we can start seeing them at least different. Continue to shed light, just as Paul did, on those that continue to fleece the flock. The Lord bless you both. Brother John, thank you for this great word, man. And I'm glad to hear that there's some fruit in your own life happening in spite of us. The Lord's doing it. Um, oh, this is Brother Paul. Okay. Brother Paul, Paul, Texas. Paul in Texas. One of our best I talked buddies. with him on the phone just a couple of days ago. Did you really? I did, yeah. Good. Cool. You tell him Doc says hi. He says, hey, Dr. Future, I just want to congratulate you and Tom on making it to your sabbatical year of Future Quake. Pretty sharp, isn't it? Seventh year. It was over a year ago when the sound waves of Future Quake struck me down, much like the photons of light struck down Paul on his way to Damascus. He's got to be. And I was presented with the love of Christ loud and clear. You know, I don't remember which translation of the Bible has the photons that came down. I don't know. I mean, it's that's, good, precise. I mean, that's, you yeah. know, you oh. know, there's a wave theory and particle theory of, mm-hmm. of light. But anyway, the photons hit Paul. Okay. Bam! Right in the head. Made a little dent. That's right. For the first time in my life, I knew and not just hoped that Jesus is Lord of all. Thank you all so much for your life-saving ministry that God used to save mine. I love you, Dr. Future and Tom. That's Paul of Texas. And uh, he says, uh, um, I asked him how he was doing. And he says, God has answered my prayer for good works, you know, that he would do good works. Mm-hmm. And I was able to go with some friends and share the love of Christ with some folks who call the streets of Austin home. Yeah, sweet. Okay. It was awesome. God is also opening doors that I hope will lead me into prison. Not not like due to bad behavior, but grand theft, yeah. So I can share the love of Christ with men that rightly so or not society rejects, but Jesus calls to Himself. Like I said, life is great, and I owe it all to you and Tom for sharing the love of Christ and with me through Future Quake. Well, actually, He owes it all to Jesus. We didn't have very much to Uh, do with it. Well, don't reprimand the guy when he's trying to praise us. You know, don't yell at him for. Yeah, you got to get him to like you first. Remember your point. Uh, Brother Paul, thank you so much. I'm mad now. <laughs> Brother Paul, thank you so much. We we just messing with you. We love yeah. you. We you are giving us too cre- too much credit. I think that's what uh, Brother Tom's saying here, is that uh, all the glory goes to Christ, and uh, also we want to highly regard you for listening to the mm-hmm. Lord 
and the Lord is doing things through you, and he is bearing fruit through you for the kingdom, and including his encouragement to us. And if you encourage these prisoners like you encouraged Tom and I, then a lot of good things are going to happen there. And we want you, Brother Paul, to give us some reports. I hope I hope people uh, resonate with that when they think about our show we did last week, which was really about that, about just deciding to give up on excuses and just go out there, even you or a couple people, Mm -hmm. and go ministering to the people out there in the street, Mm -hmm. refugees, homeless, whoever they are. Yeah. And uh, he's doing his thing. And remember what Johnny the Longshoreman challenged all of us. Just do just what do the Lord tells us Bible. to do. Yeah. That's right. Okay, this brother, uh, Brother Robert. Brother Robert says, Dr. Future and Tom Bionicle. He says, Peace and love from our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to thank you for your interview with Elijah Friedemann and for reading the many articles and rebuttals he has written. It is encouraging to those of us in the younger generation to know that there are free thinkers who stick to the Word of God and believe that everyone should be loved and treated for who they are and where they stand in this world as human beings, regardless of creed, race, culture, or political affiliation. Those youth who have escaped the milkshake media and the so-called news mm, it feeds us through a, through a straw are few. Don't let it turn away from it there, Tom. Hearing someone like Elijah was a great encouragement and relief that there is hope for the younger generations to prosper through God's hand, and preach the loving, saving gospel of Jesus as the days grow short. Mm-hmm. You and I have hope, too, yeah. for the younger generation. You know, it's like every generation. They have a lot of things that are great hope, and they have some dangers. The hope is they don't buy into a lot of the baggage of the Christian culture, mm-hmm. the whole infrastructure thing we have to do, the whole um, Cold War, American exceptionalism kind of stuff mm-hmm. that mixes up everything. The materialism, I think they're doing a good job turning away from that. On the other hand, you know, sometimes they don't always take theology too seriously, depending on the person. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they can turn away from some of that kind of stuff. And, you know, one thing you can say about the older generation, they may not have gotten everything right. They were good in um, supporting ministries, being faithful, with on various occasions. There were some, some at, good attributes, and I hope the predecessors, they kept the work of the church going, even though it was imperfect. You know, he's giving me one of those. What you talking about, Willis? Looks. Uh, okay, back back to Robert here. Um, mm-hmm. He says, when I talk to youth who think in a worldly or popular mindset, it is difficult to show them alternatives to help them think outside the box on major issues, be they political or spiritual. It is a rare and precious gift to see a youth, especially one of Elijah's age, with spiritual discernment and a humility to put God first in all things. Having accepted Jesus late in my youth, it was a long battle for me to accept and believe what many today deem radical. However, there is something missing in that last statement, a commitment to Jesus Christ. To hear Elijah speak, it is clear he has what few can say in the Christian church today, a commitment to Jesus and the gospel. I see lost souls raise their hands, say a prayer, and are welcomed into the family of God. While it is wonderful souls are being saved, I no longer hear preaching on repentance with an open mouth of confession before our Heavenly Father's throne, and no statement of faithful commitment in hearing or bearing our cross for Christ and for the Word. It is clear to me that youth are backsliding into sin and leaving the church because of a lack of commitment in the church. See, a lot of people in the church would say, well, gee, you're overbearing on young people. They're, they're not coming because we're being too dogmatic. He's saying they're not seeing real legitimate commitment. Hmm. I will say I, I think a lot of youth have left... 
because they didn't see a commitment to the homeless and commitment to other stuff in the church. And they lost respect for the sure. church. It seems to be, well, it's interesting. I have a couple of theories on this. Yeah. Um, and since you're reading somebody else's email, I'll just jump right in here and throw my you ideas. You could put right your out. words into Robert's mouth. Yeah. How about it? It yeah. seems to me that I mean, there's something to that idea of lack of commitment, and one of those one yeah. of those real lacks is the lack of commitment to actually like walking it like it says in the book, you know, like reading the instruction manual and doing it, you know. Right. Just, and you know, um, one of the things is one of the other things. Young is, people aren't willing to tolerate minimum and phony stuff. Yeah, one of the one of the other things is this incredible sort of, uh, you know, sort of push and fixation, if you will, for getting people to pray the prayer, mm-hmm. and then after that, the discipleship sort of drops off, and yeah, you know, I mean, they make it into like a big elaborate thing. You come forward in the altar call and you pray, mm-hmm. and then you're okay, and that's it. You know, yeah. you may never go out and pull over and help somebody with a flat tire or pray for somebody, right. but you know, you say right. the prayer and you go to church, so it's all it's all sweet. Right. Yeah, there's no, it, you know, it's like a toothless shark. And there may be people needing help right on the outside of the church door while the service is going on. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 I understand. Okay, he says the battle at hand is to fight uphill with God's armor and to seek the fertile ground in which the youth today can plant seeds of ministry, proclaim that Jesus is Lord and Savior, bearing our testimony and loving not our own lives until the wages of sin take us. Pray for the body of Christ, our youth, and for the Holy Spirit to continue to teach, comfort, and strengthen us as we are further alienated from the world. Shalom and blessings, future mm-hmm. quake, Robert. Sweet. So that was Brother Robert. Remember, thank you for sharing that wisdom with us. And uh, this is from uh, Brett. Okay, Brett's a regular friend of ours. Mm-hmm. He says, hey, Doc, I really enjoyed the shows lately. Your continuing sagas are really getting interesting. You know, I haven't covered stuff on the Knights of Malta stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have found tons more. Yeah. We've just had so many stories, I haven't been able to get back to it. But maybe after the speaking, because I'm going to be unveiling a lot of it at this conference. Not all of it, but a lot mm-hmm. of it. So we'll start getting that stuff out here on the show. Because I have to admit, the new format has taken some getting used to. Okay, this is from back what we started actually in December. Mm-hmm. But it's good to hear this alternative news. I used to like hearing new interviews every week, but now I think one interview and three new shows in a month mm-hmm. is close to perfect. It gives one a chance to digest the interview and to keep up with how Revelation 18 is being played out. Hmm. It also is good to hear on the last show that you mentioned Rockefeller. Yeah, we, we had forgotten about him for a while. He's falling off the map a Yeah, even though it's a Nephilim, we got to get back. He, so I was talking to my wife about your show and your interest in Ultraman. I said, why is it that when these giant monsters attack, they send out cheap tanks and airplanes that will just get destroyed? And you and I have noticed that. Yeah. Why not just send Ultraman right away? She said that if they did that, we wouldn't think things were that serious if it was like that. She also said that seeing how horrible things get will also make Ultraman look more heroic when he saves everyone. This made me think of Bible prophecy about how it is always said that the Antichrist will come to solve the world's problems. But first, he's got to ruin everything. Otherwise, he wouldn't fall for this. We wouldn't fall for this stuff. So I guess that's my analysis of Ultraman and how it can be used for a parable of the Bible. Maybe there's more, but I've never really watched Ultraman. However, I did love Godzilla, Voltron, and similar things. So I might have to track down some Ultraman later in blessings. Thanks for the hard work you guys put in the future quick. And that is a good assignment for everyone is to 
get Ultraman DVD and didn't understand the biblical connection. Mm -hmm. Now, he followed up later and said, he says, uh, by the way, it's worth the six ninety five to get the full set of Ultraman shows at Amazon.com. Hmm. Same one I got. He says, in addition to what you point out, because he's reviewed it, uh, or, um, or, or anyway, I, I mentioned to him, excuse me, I'm confused here, I mentioned to him that, uh, I, you know, there's a guy at our church on Wednesday night that was talking to us, and he had mentioned that it was hard to get converts to Christianity in Japan because they have no similar myths that mm -hmm. are comparable to the gospel mm -hmm. that we can, that they can grasp. Sort of but reach them through their myth. And, and sort of be able to explain the gospel story in something that resonates in their mind, in their history. And I, I had told him that Ultraman had been in production since 1966 until basically today in Japan, like nonstop virtually. And that it is a universal mythology identifying the Japanese people. You know, when the Japanese, after World War II, and they had to figure out that Hirohito wasn't God, mm -hmm. and he said that, they lost a lot of stuff. I mean, they still have a little bit of the samurai culture and stuff, but they lost a lot of their past spiritually. Kaiju Jesus? I don't know. It's the <laughs> next closest thing. This, this whole thing is a common shared myth experience yeah. over what they've replaced, okay? Godzilla, the whole kind of thing, okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, they all know about it. I'll share, you know, the thought, okay? Uh, and it is a universal methodology identifying the Japanese people. This is my words. I say, in the show, a god-man, which is Ultraman, from outer space comes, merges with a man's body, dies, and then resurrects, then inhabits the body of a man that is part of a group that fights the same evils alongside him. When the evil gets intense, the god part of the man comes out and fights their fight for them. And I said, if that's not a, a type of gospel in subsequent explanation of the church, I don't know what is. Um... You know, it's not a perfect analogy, but it's mm -hmm. something where you see a god coming down, mm -hmm. merging with man, dying, resurrecting. Then he's empowered, and he's able to empower this group of people of which his indwelling comes out to save the day. It's very much like what we would see the church. Mm -hmm. I could see this being used as a tool for someone to explain all of the strangeness of Christianity to a Japanese person. Uh, he responded back. He said, that is really an amazing perspective on Ultraman. He says, actually, funny you should bring up getting uh, getting them. I just bought them for $10 at half-price books here. So he got the set. He says, I burned through the first disc in one setting. You know, at least we had the discipline to only watch two shows at yeah. once. He says, it's awesome, corny, and everything I'd expect. Despite the cheese factor, the drama in some spots still holds up. Suspension of disbelief still kicks in. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. And the one cool thing about Ultraman is that it's dubbed. But it's in such a different culture, they do things that are largely illogical. Yeah. Which it's amazing how much more entertaining a show is when you can't figure out everything they're going to do. Yeah. I love their, like, sneak up, which usually involves flying right at the face of the monster and shooting all of your and weapons. And they'll say, whatever you do, don't shoot your weapons. And then the next thing they do is shoot their weapons. Yeah, it's like full-on jets are flying around their yeah. head, bombing them. Yeah. You, one thing you can't do in Ultraman is, is predict it, necessarily, mm -hmm. at least individual things. I got the last email for the day. This is from Dave. Okay. Uh, and Dave says, um, Ciao, Dr. Future and Tom. I'm a Bible-believing, non-denominational Christian-American Writing near Venice, Italy. We've had pretty good awesome. geographical variety yeah. here, you know. 
Uh, I've been a listener for a couple of months now. By the way, there was somebody who said they didn't know if there was anybody in Virginia Beach. If you are from Virginia Beach and you want to contact this person, let me know. Maybe we can Maybe do like, find them. Yeah, future satellite. That's what that's what happened in Cape Town. Yeah, man. And end up with a show in Cape Town from two Futurians that found out each other through emailing here. That'd be cool. So, yeah. but this is our, our Venetian, okay? Uh, Brother Dave says, I've been a listener for a couple months now since your presentation on Chris White's show regarding sorcery and drugs and opening the last day spirit portal. I tell you what, as you know this, you get hooked up with Chris White, things start to happen. Yeah, I It's know. like ending up on the Johnny Carson show. I mean, you know, stuff happens. Oh, funny. I was absolutely amazed at the content of your presentation because I've only recent started, recently started to study the occult. So you definitely piqued my interest. I've been, quote, awake to the New World Order since 2007 when my friend told me that supposedly there were explosives in the Twin Towers. Unlike most, I actually went up to look up what he was talking about, and it's been a crazy journey since. I'm sure that most people must have strong faith in Jesus Christ uh, when they discover the various topics in the truth movement in order to understand the psychological trauma and spiritual attacks from films like Zeitgeist and people like David Icke or they will definitely be deceived. It was a tremendous relief to find your radio show because you're Bible-believing Christians that are awake to what is really going on in the world, and you provide really interesting information and interviews with thought-provoking guests. I still have many archives to go through, but so far each one is even better than the rest. I also share your point of view that we should try to bring non-believers to Christ through intelligent discussion rather than by offending and forcing them. Obviously, in order to do this, one must have a general idea of what people in other religions believe. In the case of Islam, most non-Muslims don't realize that they believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of the Virgin Mary, and that he ascended to heaven. However, as you probably know, they don't believe that he died on the cross for our sins and was resurrected. Also, many people probably don't know how to intelligently respond to a Muslim that claims that the Bible has been corrupted, nor would they have any idea what exactly the Muslim world would be referring to. Okay, And there are classes, like the one we took, where you can learn how to respond appropriately. Mm-hmm. There are answers. In fact, the Lord has put special little things in there as doorways for us to, to do this. Mm-hmm. Okay, He concludes saying, For my studies, I've come to conclude that any religion that claims that you don't have to rely on Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and God's grace for your salvation and that the Bible isn't the only source of God's word, is a false religion, a distraction, and illusion. I think I would generally agree with that, too. To me, if I had, you know, Tom, if I had to circle the wagons around, like the bare minimum of what I believe is saving faith, it's really the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's what it, we we can struggle with other stuff, even stuff I consider mm-hmm. pretty foundational. That's what it all boils down to. Interesting. Did Jesus Christ... Die to pay the penalty for my sins, and the only hope yeah. for my you know sins. I just read a I just read an article a couple of months ago that looked at the seven different ideas of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. The seven there's like seven different opinions on it based on hmm. you know which church people attend and yeah you know, like wow is it individual was it really long piece yeah it was about twenty pages okay because I was gonna say even a summary would be great for a show for some us. of the stuff I would say well that's I would I would consider it almost heretical. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was interesting. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. But it's like if you want, I mean, we could do a yeah. show or a part of a show you know, some, where some, the rubber meets the road. Yeah. Some of them, 
some of them people will have heard, you know, like, yeah. Jesus died for me specifically. Other people would be, you no, know, Jesus died for all the people who were elect and sinful. Mm-hmm. Some of them were like, well, no, Jesus died for... Uh, Jesus died for the whole world, and we get to, you know, come to him. And then there were some others I can't remember, yeah. but I was reading them going, Yeah. What you talking about, Willis? Well, you know, this really comes down to we have to make decisions on sure. what's a revelation. And that's where his connection about the Bible. I mean, mm-hmm. like when I talked to the UN people, I was up front with them. I said, look, everything that you're going to hear me say is predicated on my leap of faith. My leap of faith is in the the accuracy the authenticity and the authority of the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where my big leap is. Everything else built on that foundation, and we can't answer things like this atonement issue. You know, and even then, it gets to be a complex topic. But we can't begin to answer it unless we have an agreement on that about the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, obviously, I use this for my own protection to keep myself from following the wrong crowd, and not as a starting point in conversations with non-believers. Hmm. Much more tact needs to be used. I believe that the enemy is trying to mislead people with heresies like Catholics believing that Mary is now co-redemptress and that she intercedes for us only to take our eyes off Jesus. He'll use something that resembles true Christianity and people won't be able to tell the difference. You know, I just funny, I just had some Catholics send us this week that said that, you know, they were on the right track with stuff and don't don't slam them. So mm-hmm. my key is not labels. I don't want to chase labels. It's do you believe what the Bible says or not? You know, label aside. Um, he says now we have an emerging threat from a united one world new age religion, where prominent religious people are declaring that we all worship the same God. So it's really refreshing to hear your radio show. Two guys who can connect the dots from various issues, see through the deception, and ask questions and make you think, all from a real Christian perspective. Thank you for much for your service, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Regards, Dave. And I think that's all I'm going to do for this week. We'll call it a day. Any all last right. words you have? You know, it's just cool to see what the Lord is doing here, and uh, I just enjoy this show so much. And man, it's cool, you know. It's, and they enjoy the Futurians too. I I, I do. Uh, I've I've been connecting more and more with a lot of them. I spoke yeah. with one in Turkey just recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We were talking about that earlier in the show. Yeah, yeah. I spoke uh, spoke with another brother over in Seattle. Yeah. And then uh, you know, talk with Paul in Texas on the phone. He actually, uh, this is a cool story. Uh, there's a one of our Futurian friends I get together and pray with regularly. Mm-hmm. And he had some some issues that he really wanted to pray about in the middle of the day. And I had yeah. went home for lunch, so I'm you know like whipping eggs as fast as I can with the phone to my ear and everything, mm-hmm. trying to pray and everything. And uh, we had been on the phone two or three minutes, just about a not long enough for him to sort of describe what was going on. And Paul in Texas calls. Yeah, he's like, "Hey, Paul's on the phone," and Paul says, uh, "Hey." You know, hey man, I just wanted to call you because I really felt the Lord tell me that I needed to pray with you. And here, that's about yeah. what we're going to get to do, you know. Yeah. And this is a sign, I believe. This is what I've come to understand: a sign when the Lord is actually at work with people. Yeah. And it's not necessarily like these people are always real together people, because I would never get to be a part of it if that was the case. But, but the yeah, fact yeah. is, when you see an interaction amongst a community of believers. And I think we saw that last week where mm-hmm. you had a comment from Johnny the Longshoreman that had an impact to another one of our 
you know, host of similar show that impacted other people. And all this stuff runs full circle. And then because one body's praying or you're praying with some people and it related to something that impacted you, mm-hmm. that's all the sign to me of a, of a vibrant church. Maybe, maybe flawed, maybe one that has still a long way to go, but one in which the, the Holy Spirit's handiwork is there is when this kind of interaction is going on. Mm-hmm. And if we don't get involved, if we don't engage with other Christians, we've all got hang-ups. You're going to meet other Christians that have hang-ups when you find them, whether mm-hmm. you find a church, you know, that you do it or whatever. Uh, so you guys got to be prepared for that. But the Lord will work in spite of it mm-hmm. if we give our give our hearts over to Him. Yeah. And uh, it's just really exciting to hear that kind of stuff going on. So that's cool. Um, well, uh, before I forget, I'm going to ask Merv to come in and tell our listeners how to contact us here at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. Uh, I, I mentioned something I forgot at the beginning of the show, and it's better to announce it at the end of the show. Um, but if you would like to join this discussion group in Middle Tennessee Futurian Discussion Group, first meeting again is at 6.30 p.m. Central Time, Thursday, July 28th at the Goodlessville Library at 205 Rivergate Parkway. And if you want to contact him and let him know that you'd like to be involved, or even if you can't attend but would like to be on a mailing list, he said you can email him at NashvilleFuturians at gmail.com. That's NashvilleFuturians, and that's F-U-T-U-R-I-A-N-S at gmail.com. And... uh even if you can't come to this meeting or maybe wherever, you can be part of an extended list. Yeah, just come on, come on down. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll record it and just put the audio up or something. Who knows? So it might be overly bold. You know, these guys are all going to take over and push us out of a job, Tom. You know that. That wouldn't be the be- first. Between Audra and Dion and, and Bob yeah. and these other folk, and then we'll be yesterday's news. That but seems to be the tenor of the times these days. <laughs> then you and I will be playing shuffleboard. They'll just set us out to pasture. We'll be like in the old Revelations Radio yeah. Network home. Uh-huh. And then maybe those people can come see us that you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, That's your cool. ministry that you start, then they can come see us. Yeah. Can you imagine if you and I were in the same nursing home one day? Can you imagine uh-huh. all the stuff we'd be telling people there at the lunchroom? Yeah. Well, they probably, like, already know about it. You know, they're just like, you know, just finally somebody who's yeah. really telling the truth. I remember back in World War Four, it was false flag terror that started it. I know it. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Yeah. <laughs> well, that may you be the only sound you get to yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we got to go because um, we've uh, got a lot of prep to do for this uh, weekend. If you listen to the show uh, the weekend of the 21st, please pray for us. Uh could be some intense days for us. Mm-hmm. A lot of people you all know are, well, a whole lot of people. Chris Putnam, um, um, who, who else? I'm just drawing a blank there. Um, Andrew Hoffman, the Gilberts. Big long list of people you know yeah. are there. Chris White, Chris Pinto. Pray for 
Tom Horn, the whole gang yeah, of people. Yeah, prayers for Tom Bionic. You know what? Even though this is more like sort of a hoity-toity, upper-scale kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, I'd like for the same thing to happen as what happened in our last two conferences, where people said, people where can baptized? I be baptized in the hotel pool? Yeah. You know, I'd be cool for that. In fact, let me say a quick prayer for that, and then we'll, yeah, we'll call it a day, okay? If anybody wants to get baptized, I'll baptize them. Let me put that Would right you? out there. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll throw that right out there. They right profess faith in Christ. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah there. <laughs> yeah. Probably should clarify right. that. Right. Let me say a yeah. prayer for this conference yeah. going on. Okay, Heavenly Father, I pray for everything that you're doing or could do at the future Congress conference in Branson. Lord, I pray for every speaker there. I pray for every attendee. Mm-hmm. I pray for your word to go forth. I pray for your Holy Spirit power to be unleashed. I pray for people to be set free from bondage. I pray for. Um, People to come to Christ, to come to you, a saving faith. Pray for people to rededicate their lives and give up sin and repent. Lord, for people to be called to action, missionary service or some other calling you have. Lord, I pray for all that to happen at this conference. I pray that you would uh, give wisdom to the speakers, uh, that they would support each other, that we would pray and be of one accord. And Lord, we just, uh, we also pray for safety for everybody mm-hmm. attending, uh, speaking or just coming as an attendee. Lord, and we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we need to call it a day, buddy. Let's uh, call it a day. We'll have a lot to talk about uh, next week. Actually, we have some Lulu guest coming in in the weeks ahead. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, we're not resting on our laurels. We're going to have some very interesting uh, kind of stuff. So just hold on to your seats, and until then, we hope your future is always bright. Goodbye. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake. quake.